right off the bat, like I just didn't fit the mold of Google. You know, I was. What's the mold of Google? Someone that's there to climb the ranks, you know, follow the rules, be super googly, you know. Oh, is that a thing? That's a that's a thing. Googly. Googly. What's cooking, everybody? If you are on YouTube right now, please hit that subscribe button, hit that like button on the video. And as always, if you have a second, would love to see you guys drop a comment down in the video comment section. And I know I said this last week, but I want to say this again to everyone who's been leaving comments on these YouTube videos in recent weeks. Thank you so much. It is absolutely enormous for the YouTube algorithm. And so the results that we have seen from that and the growth we've seen, particularly on the YouTube page, is directly attributable to all that help from all of you. So thank you for doing that. Would love to see that ball keep rolling and... Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, so thank you. If you are listening on Apple or Spotify right now, and you have not already hit the follow button on either of those platforms, please be sure to do that. Thank you for checking out the show over there, and I look forward to seeing you guys again for future episodes. Now, I am joined in the bunker today by Mr. Mac Frederick. And really, the title of this one says it all. Mac was at Google. He got fired. It's a funny story. He went through the whole thing. And along the way, he happened to learn a lot. And so he used his expertise to then leverage that into his own career, opening up his own companies, and has done an amazing job on those things. And so he came in here, we drank some whiskey, he told a lot of great stories, and it was a great time. Really enjoyed having him in here. I want to thank the homie Ty Martin for hooking this up, by the way, so shout out to Ty. And seeing as this is the final episode before Christmas, I want to wish all you guys out there a Merry Christmas. I hope you have a great day and weekend with your families and have a full healthy happy holiday season that said you know what it is i'm julian dory and this is Trendifier. this is one of the great questions in our culture where is the news understands this but few seem to do it if you don't like the status quo start asking questions so you just bought a place in puerto rico in the process of closing really what made you do that gee boy uh always wanted to do it man i had it on my uh, phone's wallpaper for like three years just dreaming about it acting like it was so hard to do and just finally was like can we curse on here, right? Oh, you can say whatever the fuck you want. I was like, fuck it, dude. You just got to go with it sometimes. I think I always wanted to have somebody do it with me, though. Oh, really? And so... Are you married? Nah, nah, nah. So you're nah, doing nah. it yourself? Nah. My other partner, my business partner. Gotcha. So he went in on it with me. Yeah, we just found that, and we were just down over the weekend, checked out like six, seven places, and the last one we hit, we were like, boom, this is it. Damn. Yeah. Now, where in Puerto Rico? I assume on the coast? Yeah, we're like less than a half mile from the beach in San Juan, Condado. Oh, nice. That's the capital, right? Yeah, yeah. San Juan's the capital. So there's like new San Juan and old San Juan. So we're in like the new San Juan, like touristy area. But uh, shit, bro. It's like two blocks from this this uh, little street. Uh, thank you, sir. Cheers, by the way. Cheers. Thanks for coming in, bro. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's... um. What do we got here? Some doers? Little doers. I'm a doers guy. Mm. They got to sponsor me, you know? We'll figure it out. 
That would be the move. That would be awesome. That would be the move. Wawa too. Where you at, baby? Let's go. But anyway. That would be the move. You were saying. I feel like I almost want to push her over here and just, you know. You're good. You're centered. You're cool. Cool. You're perfect. But you were saying you were like two blocks from something. This place called La Placita. So it's, you know, just 40, 50 bars all in one area. So a lot of locals go there, but also a lot of tourists. So it's just mix and mingle in there and people get after it. So a lot of young people, you kind of need to know Spanish or at least a little bit to be dangerous. Mm. Uh, what does dangerous mean? Peligroso. Si. <laughs> uh, it's in uh, Santorce. So, which is, if you're in Condado, if you're looking at a map of San Juan, uh, old San Juan's basically like a, an island within an island. Um, but Condado is what, 15 minutes from the airport and Santorce is, you know, right behind it. You go past the highway. So the price drops up, drops off significantly once you go past the highway. So we're like, fuck mm. it. Like that's the move. Cause we're only one block further. Is so, that a decent neighborhood? Yeah. It's a good neighborhood, right? Yeah. La Placita. Um, but yeah, 160,000 putting 20% down. Just that's it. Let's go. How big's the place? It's a one, it's like one bed. Yeah. All right. So it's like, it's fairly simple, but that's not too bad. Yeah. So just going to Airbnb that bitch, you know, just throw it up on Airbnb. I've done a lot of Airbnbs in the past and just have a a company manage it down there. So we know some realtors, some Airbnb management companies, the whole nine yards, and I'm just going to live there every February. So just be like a month there and then rent it 11 months a year. Yeah. You're going to have that paid back in like two seconds. Holy shit. Yeah. It's really so good. it should profit. Like I worked out all the math, it should profit a thousand dollars a month, even with the management company. Are a lot of people like that's an interesting question that I've never asked before, and I probably should ask this is someone that would know. But are a lot of people investing in real estate now who previously did or would have just invested in getting their own places to rent out, but they are literally doing it just in volume to do it through Airbnb? Yeah. Damn. There's a lot of people that do Airbnb arbitrage too. So arbitrage. Yeah. There's this guy, Sean on YouTube, Sean, I forget what his channel and all that is. Uh, if you look up Airbnb arbitrage, Sean or something on YouTube, um, shit, I should remember what his channel's name, because my business partner's name is Sean. Who's also from Philly. So we're like, what the fuck? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Check it. Right there. He is. He made 600,000 in a day with Holy shit. Like bro crushes. God, see, this is the thing, man. That's like, you guy. can find all this stuff on the internet. You just got to, like, think about it. That's why when I ask a, que- a question like that to you, it's like I've been sitting in a studio all day. I could have Googled that. Maybe if I had, like, two seconds of free time at some point today, which I probably did. I could have Googled that question. But the thing and is, then I could get to this guy. You don't know what you don't know. So sometimes you don't know what you need to be searching or Googling. That's you know? true. That's true. But, yeah, we would put in search terms like, uh, how to automate an Airbnb or how to find an Airbnb management company or... Wait, there's Airbnb management companies alone? Yeah, tons of them, yeah. Yeah, my friend runs a cleaning company that turned into an Airbnb management company. So her, her and I, she didn't own a place. Uh, she's this uh, Chinese lady living in Philly. She's a friend of mine. She's real cool. And we were trying to buy a place to Airbnb it, but like Philly's... It's a weird market to Airbnb there if you want to buy. So if you wanted Airbnb arbitrage. Yeah, can, that, you, can you explain that to people? That's when you don't own the property. So you rent a place and either it's allowed for sublets or Airbnb. Or you have to convince the owner, like the landlord, hey, I want to Airbnb this. 
and like make up a story if you have to. And then you make the difference in the rent versus what you can rent it out for versus, you know, Airbnb. Holy shit. So if you do that and you don't, the owner who you're renting it from doesn't make you disclose that who you're going to sublet it to. Hypothetically, you could just look for a bunch of places where the owners aren't asking that and then just do it through Airbnb and they might not be okay with it, but they have no idea. There's so many places that don't allow Airbnb, but you, they don't know unless they're searching on Airbnb or if one of your uh, neighbors complains like, Hey, a lot of people are coming out of here or whatever. And so, yeah, people do it all the time. So let's say a one bed in old city goes for, let's say 1200, like an older one bedroom and you have a bunch of people coming in for, you know, the Liberty Bell and, you know, like the historic district and all that. They're going to pay $200 a night. So you're in 1200 plus another 200 for utilities, maybe another 100 for supplies. And if you manage it yourself, managing means you manage the app, like the inquiries, the customers, you know, customer service, mm. filtering people out. You can have auto bookings turned on or off or you can filter people out manually which is what I like to do. I Airbnb a room in a place that I own, but I also own another place that I rent traditionally. Wow. So I rent out an entire house and then uh, sub out two of the rooms and then I Airbnb the third room. But back to the math. So 1,200 plus another 200 for utilities. You got 100 for supplies like toilet paper, you sure. know, paper, whatever. So right there, you're talking 1,500. Let's go at $200 a night for... I don't know, let's say 20 nights, so two-thirds of the nights you have rented. So 67% rented. So do the math on that. You're talking four grand. What about like cleaning fees because a bunch of people are coming in and out? You charge a cleaning fee on top of it, Mm. which typically 10 to 20%. So if you do it at 20%, now you're charging 240, but then you pay a management company if you don't want to do it yourself. Their fee is typically 20%. So now you're back to even. God damn. So now you're four grand for the rental income, 200 times 20, minus 1,500 for your all in expenses. 3% goes to Airbnb for their fee. Like the math still plays out if you're willing to put in the time. It's like anything, you know, if you're willing to put in the time. I keep forgetting that they charge so low too, which is crazy. Yeah, they charge more to the buyer. They charge like really? 7% to the buyer. I guess because it's like a convenience thing. Yeah. You know, they're they're basically yeah. creating the network. So yeah. the buyer's the person that has the demand. They need the sellers to be on there. It's know? like, yeah, hotel, you know, your fees and everything like really adds up at the end there too. Like hotels are going to get blasted if they haven't already. What do you mean? Just, I mean, how much they've been hurt since COVID, you oh, know. I thought you meant something else by blasted, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Airbnb and VRBO just kind of crushing the game you know it's a convenience thing but at the same time you know there there's conveniences to hotels too at certain points like sean and i were just down in 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 san juan like sean's my business partner and so we're looking at places down there and we book an airbnb for 200 a night plus like cleaning and fees whatever so we're paying 240 a night or something and we're right on the water so ocean ocean front view beautiful yeah you know top floor but we had one room and one bed it's like hotels typically just have two beds in one room so there would be more of a convenience for two guys or like you know people that aren't together yeah it's now you could also do that with your airbnb we could also put two beds in your airbnb exactly and we also like take this stuff for granted now because the internet of things has made everything so easy and customizable 
But like you think about the fact that something like Airbnb quite literally was not around and it obviously didn't have any competition. It wasn't created. It was told that it, it couldn't even exist by a lot of doubters like a decade ago, maybe a little 11, 12 years, something like that. And now like back then you had to go into Expedia. You book that room that has Mm -hmm. two beds or three beds or whatever it is. And then the rest of it's like, well, maybe you can go on and find some sublet like on a weird Google search or fucking Craigslist or something. And now it's like, I want two beds, a couch, two kitchens, one industrial, whatever. You plug it all in and Airbnb is like, yeah, we got a place over on 6th Street. It's fucking insane. Dude, that's you could say that with anything. So I I had this uh, I run a digital marketing agency, so I help Mm -hmm. businesses grow online, right? And uh, this guy reaches out to me, like finds me on Google because we we rank well. That's what I do for other companies. I help them help them rank on the top of Google because I used to work at Google, which I'm sure we'll get into. We're gonna get to that. <laughs> and uh, so he's got a tourism, like he basically has like a glorified travel booking company. So think like 30 years ago. You go to the yellow books and you, you look for like, you know, travel booking companies or whatever yep. you even call them. You call them up. Hey, I'm trying to go to Disney with my family, whatever. And the, he, he, he's trying to do that now. I'm like, wait, he's like a travel agent now. Yeah. He, he's Come on. Yeah. And like, I hope he doesn't listen to this episode, but like your, your website's garbage. You, you know, unless you're targeting like the 55 up market, which maybe you are. Even now though, man. Yeah. They're yeah. all on iPhones. Yeah. Like, even my grandparents are all in their 80s. I'm not going to say they're, like, experts with it, but they know their way around a little bit. They can yeah. figure a few things out. Maybe we'll end up in a world where, so, this supersedes everything that's going on now in the sense that, like, okay, convenience is what we're building algorithms for. We're building startups and apps and everything for is convenience, you know, that is the definition of Uber, you know, it's right. convenience and just like anything else out there. But maybe there's people that are anti that, that prefer more of that handheld customer experience. Maybe there'll be a gap, like a divide in customer satisfaction and user experience. I think it depends on what we're talking about. This is, I, yeah. I'm really glad you brought this up yeah. because it's hard for me to put into words. I've been trying with some people, but it's it's important that we at least put it out on, I guess, like on the podcast and, and discuss what's going on with Web3 and everything. Yeah. Because not that you just said that, it just reminds me of that because you look at Web 1.0, it's just the internet. Right? Yeah. You connect, you go to www.whatevertheFuck.com, yeah. you get what you want. Web 2.0 brings in social media, which basically brings all these hub spots for us no pun intended with the company where we're shout out to hubspot <laughs> sponsor but, us exactly please <laughs> pay me thank you anyway but you'd go to these places where everyone else would convene so that then you could see what else they would bring all the things happening online that are of note that might be of interest to you that you could then access through there meaning you're not going directly to the source so the source better figure out how to get noise on the social media apps yeah the thing that's confusing about web3 and this will make sense why I'm thinking of it on what you said. But the thing that's confusing to me about that is we're talking about the whole blockchain and moving things, quote unquote, decentralized and basically taking back web freedom because now these platforms that formed have too much of it, right? Which that's I'll, true. I'll agree with. Yeah. But it feels like that type of world when you're going back to like the individual computer concept, you are now going back to what you were just saying where – Oh, we want it the old way, the handheld way, meaning I have to go type in 
it won't be like this, but www.whatever.website.io, and yeah. that's where we're accessing stuff on yeah. Web 3.0. So it's like we're trying to move forward with speed and the security of blockchain, but we're also – I don't know if they mean to say it like this, but it seems like a lot of Web 3 has to figure out how we don't move backwards into that world. You know what I mean? Right. Maybe there's a way, you know, I was just thinking about it. So people essentially like to feel special. So mm. I think that's the one thing about these convenience apps and maybe even Web 3.0 that doesn't exist in a sense of there's a lot of an anonymity uh, to Web 3. Yes. Uh, instead of like specialized, personalized experiences. So the thing that a lot of old school and new school people will like, like my one friend doesn't want to do Uber at all. He'll always have a private driver because he knows his name. The guy knows what he likes. He'll have drinks waiting, takes care of him, pay a little extra. That's still, still get the convenience sure. side of it. But it could be like that with, you know, it's like I always stay at this place because the guy at the front desk likes me or knows me right. and treats me well. So I think maybe there'll be some some congruence there in a sense of like maybe there's like an ultimate concierge app that's like blockchain based but also has like personalized experiences who knows and i don't know how that looks but like even the first example of like the people who are going to want white glove service on certain things mm -hmm. outside of like ultra elite rich people for specific things that you and i can never even concept i'm just thinking of like the average well-off person who might be older or might not even be who is going to stick to that trend you're talking about and it's like if they're looking for a trip five years from now is that really going to be something that they want the white glove service on? Or are they going to be like, no, I can – like they've been figuring this shit out now for another five years themselves online. You know what I mean? Like they learn more and more. So now it's like, well, I'm used – I don't care how old you are. I'm used to doing this. So why do I need to – Not, I mean that example was extreme, the guy that is literally doing it over the phone. But why do I need to like go to this agency or something to help me with this? Yeah. I don't know why when you said like booking this trip five years in advance – I was just thinking back to when, like when I was getting on a plane and everybody's like huddled in on the plane, like already cozy in their seat, just like waiting to get on the plane, like got there hours in advance to the airport. I'm like rushing in last minute. <laughs> I booked the flight like earlier that day. And I'm just like, man, people really save up to go on this one trip, maybe two trips a year Yeah, that they're just all planned out for. And what if shit goes wrong? But yeah, I mean... I don't know what's going to happen with with the the concierge and like convenience apps and, and if there's a way to to really bridge that. I was just I had that memory stuck in my head from when I got on the plane in Puerto Rico. <laughs> what is it like down there? Because I'm I'm curious. I've never been, and it's like this whole thing where they are a protectorate or protectorate, however you say it, but they're not a state, and the native language is Spanish, like you were saying earlier, and. I mean, like, are a lot of Americans living there now, too, because they have free access? Do you have to take a passport in there? Like, how does it work? Hurricane Maria changed everything down there, so... And that was, like, four years ago? Yeah, that was that was about four years ago. We, we were just hanging out. We made some friends down there. We were hanging out with these two girls, and I was like, yo, so I got to ask, because I've never really talked to anybody on the island about Hurricane Maria and how bad it was. I've just saw pictures and saw videos, but never heard really a personal story about it and she was like i'm from a wealthier neighborhood she's in like outside of bayamon or uh, like some sort of like 
I don't know, like a suburban type of neighborhood. Like more inland? Quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. Like when you get out into like the more the mainland, farmlands, rainforest, all that, then it's, you, you don't have too much money. But she was saying she was without power and water for seven months. Holy shit. No electricity, no water, no gas. <laughs> Seven months. Seven months. Bro, I was like, what? Are you fucking what did she kidding do? me? I'm like, did you have a smartphone? Like, how did you charge your yeah, phone? Yeah, like, what do you do? Like, that's th- this thing I couldn't live without. And then I'm like, oh, well, I couldn't live without water either. Food or like, what the fuck were y'all doing? So what did she say? So she would charge her phone. There were only like very few spots on the island that even had any sort of energy electricity whatever but how do you get there you have cars right they run on they run on gas gas. yeah the gas line was 12 hours long holy shit man and she would charge her phone from her car but that had to run on gas but she'd have to wait 12 hours or more in line to get gas and they would sell out of gas a lot and i was like what did you eat so the the grocery store lines like they didn't have power there either and all they would have is like bread and like t- canned tuna and no running water so they go down to like a creek or like any open water like wells bro they went back 200 years it, it literally overnight overnight and then it just came like they fixed it obviously but did they build like a new brit a new grid when they did it they're yeah they're still building it but yeah it took them a year so most people were without power and water for a year <sighs> And so what the wealthier people did, like the wealthier younger people, just dipped to the U.S., flew out. And can they – because they're free to go back and forth, obviously, right? Yeah. That's not not immigration. You you can just do that. I guess – yeah, I think. Yeah. It makes sense. Like they're U.S. citizens. Yeah. It's so bizarre like how that whole thing works. Yeah, right. Because it's – and it's down there with a bunch of other countries that have nothing to do with us too. But then they also still maintain their own culture. It's, it's very cool. It's just like unique. But goddamn, bro, could you imagine in America? Like, shout out to the Puerto Rican people for lasting through that, first of all. But right. could you imagine if that happened here? <laughs> I mean, people <laughs> are dying like left and right. That'd be yeah, apocalypse. Yeah. We, we could never handle that. We, we could are, not We are that. not equipped to do that. No. People are going to be dying outside the grocery store because they didn't get, like, their, their Rice crispy <laughs> treat. I mean, it's like, <laughs> holy shit, man. That's what I worry about, like, when our society's just, like, very soft in certain ways. Like, we've all been used to comfort and things like that. And then, God forbid, something like that struck. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a natural disaster for it to happen, you know? Because, like, I understand Puerto Rico's a small country, so obviously hurricane hits them and affects the whole country. Like, here, Hurricane Sandy crushes people, but, like, you know, in an emergency, people can go inland somewhere. So, I, I get it, but, like... What about the whole our networks all run on the on the cloud now and they could be hacked and it's been proven in other countries that this shit can be hacked. If the power grids are taken out, everything's fucked. We're done. You can't hack the, you can't get onto the cloud. You can't do anything. Yeah. That shit is so scary, man. Have you ever read the book Sandworm by any chance? Never heard of it. It's phenomenal. It's written by this guy Andy Greenberg. I've talked about it one or one or two times on the podcast. But Sandworm. Yeah. He wrote all about the... Benjamins. 
The what? The <laughs> Benjamin. The no, no, no. But he, I think it was pretty much all focus. I read it a while ago. But it was pretty much all focus on like the internal Russian like hacking teams. So there's like Team Fancy Bear. They're like codenamed that, but they're a part of the GRU in Russia. The seven, it's either seven seven four four five or seven four five. I don't, one of them. But anyway, these guys would proved that they could hack the power grid in Ukraine and they took it down in like Kiev and a couple other places across like 250,000 people the click of a button for like four or five hours or something one time just to prove that they could do it and now like you're looking at a potential future of cyber warfare yeah I mean that's just Russia imagine what all these other countries can do even North Korea which shockingly has like a pretty good cyber team over there which is kind of creepy but like Imagine if they just were able to get in once and imagine if they just said, we're going to shut down the entire, the entire Eastern seaboard and the next like 300 miles inland. People are dropping like flies here. I don't think the next world war, if there is one, hopefully there isn't, but if there is one, it's going to be very tech based in a sense of knocking out power grids and power supply, water supply, like whatever a country needs to survive in a sense of like new age technology. It's not going to be like missiles and bombs and all that Agreed. stuff. Um, and who knows, maybe it's airborne illnesses. Yeah. I mean, it's not, that's the farthest thing from being out of the realm of possibility. And now at least there's a renewed interest in people actually looking into how this whole Corona thing got out. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of obvious from the beginning it should have been obvious to a lot of people but now at least they're looking at it and it's like could there have been some some dirty bomb stuff with that you never know mm. i mean think about it's invisible you get one person on a plane who's able to bring something right you can't kill this virus either you can't it just fucking morphs into something it else it's like anything else dude it, are they treat it, treating it like you know how hurricanes they'll name it like an a and then a b and then a c are they doing the same thing with corona there's like the alpha and there's a delta and the Omicron. They, Do they, we miss the the D through O's? Were there other variants there? I believe, and I have to check this, it could have just been a meme. So if it was, I'm sorry. But I believe they skipped over the Xi or something because it's named after Xi Jinping. So they were naming each of these things and they were supposed to be like a Xi. That might literally be a meme, but it's kind of funny. So there are other, are, are other variants oh, yeah, between dude. D and O. Oh, they're going to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're the holy at O. We're probably past O by I now. I mean, they'll come back around just like hurricanes come back around. Oh it just works its way through the letters every year. It's Jesus just, Christ. I don't know. It, it's impossible to have conversations with certain people about this because you either get people who are just like, oh, the entire thing doesn't exist, it, it's, it's a hoax, or you get people who are like, we're all going to die, we need to stay inside forever. And it's like, neither of those make any sense but you should also be treating this not just with the vaccine and everything treat it with like all right people let's get healthy let's let's do some things that can that can take away our risk to it i mean even even the new york times eat healthier work out yeah quit smoking cigarettes exactly the new york times put out a story a couple days ago Maybe it was the last one. I don't know. All the days meshed together. Only but it, the it strong was, survive. It was recently, and they were saying that the studies are now showing, and again, that's studies, so we'll see what it does, but they're reporting on it, that coronavirus attacks fat tissue. 
Hence why we and it and it makes sense. Like if you're overweight, you're more prone to anything. It's not just coronavirus, but this is why, you know. So like if you are obese and you get coronavirus, they're proving or trying to prove right now in the process of proving that that's why we've seen that those people have a tougher time because their literal tissue is being attacked by the virus. It's like who would this hit the worst? China's over there thinking. It's true. I mean, I'm sorry. Sorry, that, Italy. That, sorry, Italy. We, we you just got caught up in. It. <laughs> oh my God! I, I, the sickest part is that a conversation like that is not out of the realm of possibility. It's like a Family Guy episode. <laughs> Who would this? Who could be hit first? Right. Like, oh my God! But shape up, Americans! Like, get it to stop eating KFC every day. What do they think down in Puerto Rico about that? The virus? Yeah. I mean, they're taking it pretty seriously. I mean, there's a lot of people traveling down there, so they don't know where these people are coming from. And I I, I wouldn't say, you know, everybody's super fit down there. They just kind of live free and kind of do what they want. And, you know, a lot of people are eating pork and beans. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, a common meal down there. So it's got to be better in here, though. In terms of like the infection rate and how, you know, how it's going. No, in terms of like people in shape. You don't see a lot of people working out down there. You mm. don't. You see a lot more people working out here percentage-wise, but people aren't, I guess, eating terribly all day. It's not like a bunch of fast mm. food places all over. And That makes a difference, man. A lot of fruits. Yep. Beans, whatever. I remember back at the beginning, my one of my friends, his father, died of corona. His dad was very, very old. His yeah. dad was like, I don't know. 85 something like that so he was older and he got it and he died and so i was talking with him a few weeks later and obviously it was sad but you know i guess it's better than if your dad's like 60 and, mm-hmm. and, and dies and you know i didn't want to talk about the virus with him but he started talking about it and he said you know i went to the beach because his dad lived like down in a beach in delaware or something and he goes I, I went to the beach the other day and i just started looking around and i'm like holy shit like three quarters of the people here are like way overweight. <laughs> like there's no way that this is like in even remotely not a bad thing. Like it definitely is. And this was like, I don't know, April, May of 2020. This was early. And he was looking at this and he's like, and I'm like, you're going to the beach. And maybe it was like June. It was like when shit was kind of opened up. And he's like, yeah, I mean, it's, that's gotta be the problem here. You're getting old people. That makes sense. And then you're getting people who are out of shape. If if you're overweight, it doesn't happen overnight, and you have time to correct it. There's something you can do about it. I mean, genetics is really hard to fight, but do yourself a favor. I mean, I feel bad for, for all the families, like, losing people like that. But, I mean, people are making the same choice every day. It's true. Day after day, month after month, year after year. It's true. and And it doesn't help that, you know, when we're in this whole time, we're at home – Everyone's remote. They have time to get on the internet, talk about all this shit with other people, and you you get those teams I referred to, and that's what gets the attention. I mean, the people who are screaming one way or the other are the ones who get it, and then everyone else who wants to try to say, "All right, let's eat healthy, let's let's do a few things, let's live a little bit." That doesn't get attention. It's just not. It's not in vogue. It's not the extremism. Life is all about reaping what you sow. Honestly. Mm. What, what you eat, how you treat people, how you treat yourself, your mental thoughts, like starting a business, like 
you should expect what you should expect. <laughs> like, it's karma, you know, just everything in life. You reap what you sow. So, the same. that's my same philosophy on the whole COVID situation. If you're scared of getting it, wear your mask, stay away from people, protect yourself. Like, don't put yourself in weird situations. If you're not scared of getting it, like, do your thing. You know, try to be conscious of others if they are weird. Like, you reap what you sow. Yeah, I, and that's that's the moderate type opinion. Make your own choice. Right? Yeah. There has to be a point that started with two weeks to flatten the curve. Like, at, everyone was aware of what this thing was. If yeah. you're completely disconnected from the world and living out in the mountains somewhere, you know, unfortunately, nothing in life is 100%. So we can't say that we talk to every single person. Yeah. But, like, by and large, if you are with it in this planet, like, at this time, during this era, after this thing started, I don't know if it was two weeks, a month, whatever, people knew the risks. They knew the risks. They knew the risk. And so it's like, at some point, when are you going to say, all right, my call. I'm going to live with it one way or the other. Yeah. If I'm if I'm 150 pounds overweight and I decide, fuck it, I'm going back to work, I know the risk if I go. Yeah. You know, my, my co-workers shouldn't feel bad. And, the, and I know they will because they're human fucking beings. But, like, if something happened, that's – I knew what I was doing. I got the vaccine, but I did it mostly to travel. Yeah, and, and a lot of people have that attitude. I, yeah. I just – I mean, were you – were you getting it early? Did did you have? I don't know. Was it something that you it. were like cracked up about getting, or like did you just not really give a shit and you're like, I want to travel? My mom wanted me to get it, so I wanted to do it for, I guess, to make other people feel comfortable. Yeah, and and to travel. You know, I, m- both my brothers just had kids recently, so felt a little safe. You know, I, I I am a little bit worried about like it hasn't been out that long. There aren't a lot of studies and all that, but. It's probably safer to get it than not get it, but who knows? Yeah, my whole thing is like, I, I really, these companies have been around for a long time. They're full of shit. Like, they, they, they do their thing. They buy off the media. Like, I, we all know that. If you're sitting here, like, standing pharma companies as, like, the modicum or, or whatever the word is of, of, like, morality, that's probably not a good decision. But, you know, I, I don't. I never once thought Bill Gates was injecting me with a microchip. I didn't think my sperm count was going to zero. I still don't think that. I don't really care. The thing that bothered me is when they sold it for a long time, and I was even like, all right, bet, you know, where they're like, oh, it's X percent. It's going to work. And then you get it, you're good. And then it just kept changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so once I noticed, like, by the end of September, I was just like, huh, this thing kind of wanes. Can't they just tell us that? I wouldn't care as much if they just told us that. Get the Omicron booster. That's what I'm saying. And they're just going to keep on making it like that. But we're going to have to start paying a lot for it. Dude, I think they do it. I think it's like a marketing plan to divide people. I really do. I just hate the media anymore. I hate the media. Big foreign. You don't know what to trust anymore. So I just try to bet on myself as much as possible. You've definitely done that. I, your career path is really interesting. Yeah, got a bet on you. Yeah, I, I think we should talk about this now because when I got connected with you, Ty Martin, who is our friend in common, yeah, he was like, Mac worked at Google. <laughs> you want to talk to him? I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to talk to him. I've had, I haven't had anyone in here from Google. But how long were you there and when were you there? I was there a year. I was there one year from spring 2014 to spring 2015. And what were you doing for them? I was basically selling and consulting Google ads to small businesses. Okay. And and where 
like what office out in Silicon Valley or? No. So I was in Ann Arbor, Michigan of all places, coldest tits. Interesting. Yeah. How'd you end up out there? So I like to tell the, the story about how I got the job because a lot of people are interested in that. But yeah. the reason I was out there is because when they offer you the job or they're like, you know, hey, I don't know if it was like, hey, here's the job offer. No, it's like the final round. It's like pick pick which location you prefer to work at. And it gives you uh it gives you like their headquarters in Mountain View or it gave me the satellite office in Michigan. I was like, everybody's gonna pick Mountain View. I'm gonna take the like the less selected route. You went for the cold office. Yeah, I was like, nobody's gonna want this one. So like a better chance of me getting hired. You're just a good tr- contrarian. <laughs> right. And I like so that. So that's how I ended up there. My 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 first time in Ann Arbor, I went out there for the interview of like, I don't know, January 2014. It was negative 18 degrees, bro. Holy Brutal. Shit. There was a foot of snow on the ground. I was like, fuck Bad me. Bad choice. <laughs> Should have chose Mountain View. But yeah. So you go out there and you were consulting with small businesses. Now, what is that like? What does that consist of? Like, are you... Do you just have a list of clients that you're given that you got to talk to all day and see what their needs are, like kind of basic business? Or are you directly working with the software teams over there? Like, how did that all go? The first thing you said, exactly. So they train you up on like the, this is, this is Google, it's the culture, and this is the platform, you know, this is the technology you'll be using, the, the CRM systems, and this is, you know, how you sell and upsell, like three months of all this different training, then you finally you know, get your book of business and it's a list of, I think it was like 300 clients every quarter. So these are small businesses spending money on Google ads to increase their business, you know? And so to show up at the top of Google, you know, they're just starting to push YouTube ads more, Mm. uh, display ads. And so you would call up these people and try to schedule a call, be like, Hey, it's Mac from Google. I'm your account rep this quarter. Mm. You have ABC HVAC company. You know, I see you're spending a decent amount. I'd love to help you spend it more efficiently. And they're like, all right, cool. Like, either like, fuck you or like, hey, like, sure. Like, you just got to get them with a hook. Like, hey, you're spending too much here. I'll help you save some money. So that's how you hook them to schedule a call. And then you jump on a a scheduled call with them. Half the time they miss it because they're a small business owner busy as hell. I Uh, know, but like, that's surprising to me. What you mean? Because you're not just like some salesman calling them with some like marketing offer you're fucking google yes but if you own and run a small business like all you small business owners out there you'll get this you get about three calls a week from google so other people are called oh wait so it's like spammers telemarketers Mm -hmm. like people trying to sell you my type of services now like people who say they're with google but they're not i don't do that shit but somebody will call you be like Hello, this is Mac from Google. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, hold on a second. Yeah. The easiest way to call them out is be like, all right, uh, what's your email? And you'd be like, I want to send you an email. Just check out my website. I want to send you my website. What's your email? And if it's not at Google.com, like, don't fuck with them, you know? I mean, I get 12 of them a day, 15, 20 of them. It's crazy. 
Why do you get them? Where, where are these coming from? I don't know. They're from random numbers, like on the phone. It's, it'll be like 403-974. Like all these weird area codes I've never heard of will just call my phone, and it's it's usually a machine or somebody in another country or like someone saying the IRS is coming after me. And I'm just like, how do you even tell when you're getting a real call? Bro, I remember. Well, first off, the ones that I hate the most are like just People say, like, oh, like, are you moving offices soon? Or, like, hey, we're from Yelp. Or, like, hey, we're from Google. But I remember my second year in the business when things were starting to take off for my phone shop. So I own Momentum Digital, digital marketing firm. Uh, you've been around six years ever since Google. And at the same time, when I moved to Philly, I started a phone repair company called I Phone forgot, Repair Philly. I forgot about this. That's cool. Yeah. So I own four retail shops. Uh, I've been doing that for six years as well. Um, both seven figure businesses, you know, I've been hustling hard for, for five, six years. And, uh, my second year with the phone repair shop, I remember I started like eating away at the competition, outranking them on Google, just stealing the spotlight, getting all the phone the calls. Codes. Cause I knew the you shit, knew the codes. So I also use that as a case study for people that want to hire me. I'm like, listen, I've done it. I started the phone repair business with a thousand dollars in a tiny little office cubicle and now we're doing seven seven figures a year. You know, we're doing well over six figures a month. Wow. Start with $1,000. No loan, no debt, whatever. Like, And that's all SEO. $1,000. All SEO. Plus doing the right things business-wise. I did oh, a lot sure. of wrong things oh, sure. business-wise. Yeah, absolutely. But you have in, to do In that. a marketing sense, yeah. like 90% credit to SEO. Yeah, that's what drives, obviously, the human being drives the success and make sure you, know, right. you put your pants on in the morning. Yeah, yeah. When you get to the product, if you have that kind of expertise, I mean, where the fuck are we all going to look for business? We're going to Google. Well, it, depend, it depends what type of business you are. So That's true. That's true. If you're a local service business where it's like, oh, I need my bicycle fixed yes. or like plumbing or roofing or whatever the fuck, like those are the type of companies that hire us because it's, it's more search demand. I need it right away. And so we run like Google ads. We do local search engine optimization managing the shit out of Google My Business, which is really important right now. A lot of companies are getting suspended on Google. What's that called? Google My Business. So you take your name, address, and phone number. So if you just like search like Google My Business, it's basically like, you know how you could have like a Yelp account? Yeah. It's like that for Google, but like way more robust. Oh, got it. And Google's trying to dominate any business being taken away from them by Facebook or Yelp or Apple Maps or whatever. Because they give the whole suite of every got it. Yeah. So okay. if you if you search phone repair Philly, I'll bet you're at the top. I'll Wait, can people top. see the screen? Uh, I might. I've never done that before. Where I, I put videos and pictures down there. That but would maybe be chill. I can like, I'll figure that out. If not, there you are. Y yeah. Well, that's because that's literally your name. So that one's easy. So that's a little. That's a little uh, funny situation. So keep scrolling down. Keep scrolling down. Yeah. Um. All right, now scroll up. So that's a branded search. This is called a branded search where like you search your branded keywords. Obviously, sure. I'm doing a little keyword stuffing here. It's also a great name. You're right. But search like uh, cell phone repair shops in Philadelphia or something. Cell phone repair shops, Philadelphia. Still using a decent amount of my keywords. Hold on. But like right there. Yeah, number two. Yeah. Yelp, behind Yelp. So basically number one. Yeah. Wow some ads there at the top so we got banned on google uh google maps so now they're they're not how do you get us. banned on google maps you, uh so now they're not showing us up, up at the top of google maps anymore so I, i've 
been trying to hack away getting back at the top do they not like you over there because of the whole literally i had three of my accounts suspended a month ago so that's where we get all of our business is like if you're a small business you show up at the top of google maps mm -hmm. that's using the google my business profile and uh bro that took away 40 percent of my business like that why'd they do that it was Besides actually, that they don't like you. I don't know. I think it was a bug in their system. Like there was no rhyme or reason why. And I'm quote unquote a Google My Business expert and I couldn't figure it out. You have to go through this whole thing. Like if you go to YouTube and search Google My Business Suspension, you can find out like how to fix or like fix Google My Business Suspension or something. Yeah, we won't be able to put it up because it's a YouTube video, but um, Google My Business Suspension. I just want to see what ones, if you recognize any there. So I should be the second one down here, right there. Yeah, okay. So 18,000 views, because we show up really high for that. I couldn't even get my own one unsuspended, bro. I was struggling for a long-ass time, and it was a, a glitch in their algorithm because they, they rebranded a Google business profile, and like a lot of people got fucked. So a lot of people have been watching this video and calling me from it to fix their accounts. Oh, wow. So that's been like a business thing, too. Yeah, so now it's it's driving business, but... I don't know where I was getting out with this story, but Google My Business is very important. Yeah, it's to me, we have like a society where if you can get something that has eight choices, anything, I'm not just talking about Google right now. If you are not one of the first two choices that the literal eyeball sees, yeah, you're kind I mean, I don't know what your data shows you, but I remember data from people smarter than me who did this stuff. They used to say, like, if you're not top three on Google, now we'll go straight to the Google example, you're not getting clicked. It's like down to ten percent or something like that. It goes from like seventy five to ten. Yeah. It's crazy. And and that's for everything too, but that is the Google society because Google is the first place that really made this our expectation. Like we type in exactly what we're thinking and boom, whatever the first choices are, we don't have to do the maximum amount of work to get there. I think the number like the amount of people that scroll past the first page on Google is like 7%. And a lot of that's probably not even people looking for something immediate. And then for the top three in the Google Maps, it's like 91%. So it's like, yeah, you got to be in that top three. Yeah. And you got to be on the first page. Google Maps, I'm definitely in that 91 number. I click one of the first ones. Goog same, Google, same. Google search, I go to page 12, page same. 15. I'm all over. But most people don't. No. They, they're like, you're... You went to page 12? I'm like, yeah. That's where I get some information. Well, it's the whole reason why people were buying Google Ads and why I was selling Google Ads and consulting at Google is to get them to spend more money on ads instead of learning, instead of them learning how to figure this shit out. Yeah, because then they, you can automatically put them at the top of the page based on demographics of who's searching. They right? can figure it out or hire someone that helps them to figure it out instead of Google making $100 billion on it, you know? What happens though when like, 10 different plumbing businesses in the same 20,000 resident town call you up to buy Google ads inside that town, like inside that geolocation. And you got to sell them all to them. Like if someone's the 10th out of 10, I mean, they're getting bad value. No, if I was at Google, I wouldn't get all 10 of those clients. If I'm talking about my own marketing agency, I would only take one of them. Right. Okay. So at Google, they would encourage you to take all of them and fuck nine of them. You would not get all your clients from the same area. So you would be spread out all over. So your friend in the cubicle right next to you would have, you know, Jimmy's, you know, HVAC or whatever you say. Oh, he'd get a different one right next yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. And you're so like, crazy. no, sp spend a, 
10 cents more than him on that click. <laughs> Holy shit, man. I always wonder about that, like how deep the customization goes, yeah. like how powerful, not just at Google, like other places, like how powerful the algorithm is such that one person's experience, forget like the type of content. We know that's all way different, but like literally how they see things on a page can be different in one place and you're standing right next to them because maybe they have, you have the same update, but you have different, like for apps, especially like Instagram, yeah. you have different features in them and you don't know it. But then the person over there has the same feature as you, but now they're alone, but they have the same feature as that person. And it's like, sometimes I wonder what the value is there. And then I remember, I mean, that's how they get data. They're like, okay, we use, yeah. we tested out, we AB tested these 20 different things over the last 90 days here here were the numbers of usage rates here were the lag times on the app that's what we want and now we're good right we have a choice we're gonna go with a i wasn't involved too much on the data side of things but i did a tiktok recently and it was like why i got fired from google i got like fifty thousand views oh i gotta look at that one yeah it was like a cool creative video people what, what, what's your TikTok? some people fucked with it some people said it was bad acting it's all good What's your TikTok? Uh, just my name, Mac Frederick. All right. Let's pull this bad boy up. It's, uh, uh, yeah, that one. That one right there? Yeah. Okay. Hold on one sec. I'm going to pause it. I'm going to stick the audio in our ears so that we can hear it here, people. That's all I'm doing. So that basically explains why I got fired at Google. All right. Here we go. You care if I rip this? Oh, hell yeah. Go for it. Why do I, why am I, oh, that's why, Moron. on, here we go. Matt, why'd you get fired from Google, bro? Really, bro? Yes, tonight, dude, tell me the story, come on. I invite you down here to shoot a promo video and you ask me this shit. This is the best story of this company, come on. Well, let's just say I breached their contract. Dude, how do you breach a contract with Google, come on. Well, I started a competing marketing agency with them. Dude, a competing marketing agency, dude? There's the story. Cats well, out of the bag. Consulting for Google Ads, but I just help these small businesses rank higher on Google without ads. Dude, why would you help a small business rank higher on Google without actually paying for ads? So I want to start my own agency. So let me just show you, dude. Well, why would you While want to start your own marketing agency like at all? Like Google's like a sweet gig. I mean, I'm just an entrepreneur, bro. Like I wanted to work for myself. I don't want the nine to five. Like I'm tired of the whole. A big corporation thing, and like I wasn't making enough money there. I wanted to make more money. What are you talking about? Here's like our headquarters. Like my boy, <laughs> <laughs> my partner. You need to pay. Yo, End of the month. Get off the phone real quick. Yeah, shut up. All right. Um, I'll talk My boy Sean. We got some awards here. Like, what you got to do? Like, we did tons of networking. I got hundreds of business cards here. But like, really, the main thing that we did was just we know the algorithm. We know how to rank at the top of Google. Like Sean. Pull something out real quick. Like we rank at the top of Google for a bunch of different shit, and that's what we do for our All clients. Right. Virtual tour company. We're number fucking one. Are you kidding me? We're on the first page of Google. <laughs> number <laughs> fucking one. So like, we're number fucking inside one. Secrets and just, you know, I was making fifty grand a year. And now we're doing over six figures a month. You were making fifty grand a year yeah, at Google. So that's what people were like. What? Come on. Swear, bro. Out of a champagne glass. It's like so, starting salary. Like yeah. Everybody Solid. thinks Google. You make a hundred thousand yeah. at least. It's like you yeah. would think. So like, yeah, if you're an engineer, or computer programmer, or coder, or something. So you, that's savage. You were starting the agency on the side yourself, where you would then, if I heard that correctly, 
you would go to clients who would be clients of Google and say, hey, I know you're buying those ads. You're going to stop that. I'm going to help you with SEO. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to stop that. Did you get a lawsuit over this? So it's like a tricky situation in what and how it went down. There's like a three-strike policy, as there should be anywhere, like any companies. And so right off the bat, like... I just didn't fit the mold of Google. You know, I was... What's the mold of Google? Someone that's there to climb the ranks, you know, follow the rules, be super googly, you know. Oh, is that a thing? That's a, that's a thing. Googly. Googly. It's someone who's, I don't know, very... They're overachieving, optimistic, fun, bubbly, <laughs> you know, all these different things. So I think... Is there a part about don't be evil in there? Yeah, but Google, like, (laughs) I don't know if they've since changed that motto. Yeah, they took that out without telling anyone, (laughs) but go ahead. Uh, But I I think I was concerned with them right off the bat because I'd have, like, a very entrepreneurial past. And that's why I got turned down from some other corporate jobs I was applying to Mm. is because I had this this history of staying at jobs at a very short amount of time and also starting my own thing. And so I remember I... You know, got to final round interviews with uh, BNY Mellon, like KPMG, like some of these bigger companies I was applying for. I'm like, why the fuck am I not getting these jobs? I was like, I know how to talk to these people. I know how to kill the interview. I have the resume. I've got the extracurriculars. And there would be a little red flag in there. Mm. And it was typically that. Wait, how far out of college were you when you took the job with Google? I was right out of college, just graduated. So, wait, how did you have a red flag then? Maybe I missed that. How did you have a red flag on switching places a bunch from, like, when you were a kid? Just like, yeah, just, like, short jobs I had for, like, a couple months at a time. They would judge off that, though? That's kind of nuts. Yeah, yeah. And just, like, it seems Mm. like he's headed towards a path of, like, being an entrepreneur versus, like, wanting to, you know, start his own business. So, everything happens for a reason. So, I was fired for a reason because I had to go all in on this. But How'd they find out about it? So there was a couple things. Like I got in trouble twice. Uh, the one time I got in trouble because I snapped on a client. <laughs> just like he was just bossing me around. I was like, I ain't taking that shit. I ain't taking that shit. <laughs> I'm not feeling very googly right now. Right, right. And it was in an email too. Like a dumbass, I like hit send uh, without reading it. Emails live forever, man. And so he like forwarded it to our policy team or some shit. And I was like, What did it say? He, I, I gave him these suggestions for what he should do with his campaign, and he had been rude with me on the phone, like super abrupt and all this stuff. I remember he, he ran some like big t- private taxi company, and uh, I gave him all these suggestions. And you got graded on your job based on performance points. So if you got the businesses to make a lot of changes and upgrades and spend more money and like use new keywords and run new ads and all this stuff, you got more points. So I gave him this whole strategy that I put a lot of time and thought into. And that was pretty in-depth. And he was like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Go ahead and do that for me. And I was like, what? Like, I don't work for you, dude. Like, just go ahead and do it yourself. That's all I said. And uh, That's not that bad. Nah, I was it's like, what? I don't work ever. for you. Just, yeah, I'm your consultant. Go ahead and do it yourself. I mean, you are supposed to be like customers always right, so find a way to tell them that without telling them that. But yeah. still, I was kind of expecting like a fuck you, bro. <laughs> like some some egregious like that. But so they came at you for that. But what was the second thing? The second thing I don't like to talk about too much, but I'll tell it anyways. Yeah, I think you got to talk about it now. 
Fuck. Let's uh, do it. So there was a, a new <laughs> there was a newer class before me. This shouldn't even count, dude. This shouldn't even count. I see where this one's going. Go ahead. There was a newer class before me. And they were like, you know, we're we're the older guys on the block now. Like I, I moved into a house with my starting class of guys. We all got along like brothers, man. So we basically had a frat house and we're just young, fun, went out, partied, all name? that. What was her name? Yeah. <laughs> I saw where this was going right away. <laughs> How did you see that? That's you great. can't shit where you eat, man. I broke that rule one time. Yeah. So, yeah. So the new class comes in, couple girls. We get a party bus. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. 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 I don't see what affiliation had to do with Google other than us all working at Google. We, yeah. We take a party they could, bus. They could take it that way. Yeah. To like, I don't know if the event was like for Google in any way. I don't think it was, but maybe it had to be. Who knows? So we take a party bus to Detroit. Oh. And, mm. bro, I am blacked out on this party bus. Just, <laughs> just like, you know, dancing like a maniac, like, just being ridiculous, like, making out with this girl, and, like, people are watching, whatever. So I don't know what truly happened here, but I heard she was talking about it on Monday. And like in her cubicle with her friends and like her manager walked by, which I don't remember her name anymore either. And she had to say something. She's like, you need to like speak to HR about this. And she was like, oh, no, like it's not a thing. She's like, yeah, like people overheard you. And it's like weird. So she had to say something. So I got pulled in for that. For a consensual hookup? I mean, it's still I I understand like because it's just a weird world now. But and shit can go wrong in those situations, no doubt. But or that may- seems excessive. Maybe she didn't want to seem like she was like that type of party person right off the bat. And like, uh, yeah, that's tough. Man. Who knows the story? I was pissed as shit, dude. It was I'll like, bet you were. I was like, this is a drunk moment between two people off campus who are having fun, like nothing to do with Google. So yeah. I, I was fired up about it. Um, but they didn't unload you. Nah, second strike. strike. (laughs) So the third strike is, oh, by the way, I've been taking all your business for the last year. So I I would always show up at 9 a.m., maybe 9, 10. Like, everybody's getting there, like, 8.30 before (laughs) 9, whatever. So um, I tell people, I don't really know what my second strike was, to be honest, because I also got in trouble for, I started a phone repair company on, so while I was at Google, I was, I had just sold a phone repair company when I graduated, I took a pay cut to work for Google. And so I was making six grand a month in college fixing phones. Mm-hmm. And I was part of a startup, too, that just got a little bit of funding, some angel money. And we were making a, a watch band. So we were building technology. So I'm on a, two patents as well. You're making a watch band? Yeah. So I've got two patents out there. And so basically, if you have like a metal link watch, right? Yeah. If... So the size of your wrist changes throughout the day based on if you're really hot, if you're really cold, if you're working out, whatever. So if you have a metal link watch, it's only as tight and form-fitting as the size of the watch band to your wrist. And so if you take a link out, it's too tight. If you put a link in, it's too loose. And so my two co-founders were like playing golf one day and it was like hot and sweaty and it was like slipping and sliding on the dude's wrist and you use it as like an excuse, whatever. That's where the idea formed from. They brought me in as like the the marketing director. We mm. brought in an engineer. We raised a little bit of money. We won some competitions, whatever. And what'd you build? 
So it was called Vortic Watches. Uh, we were making the perfect fit standard with metal link watches. So it, it would use an inter-telescoping band system. So the, the links would slide into each other as you twist turn the dial of the watch. So you would turn the dial like this, and there's uh, a metal gear system within the frame, and the wires would go through the band of the links. Oh, shit. Okay. Because I'm looking at the one you have right now, and I'm trying to... I thought that was the product, and now no. you're explaining it. Yeah, I think you're these are all links here. Model. Yeah, I think these are all links here. Because I don't like when my, my watch is loose, which is why I don't wear many linked watches. Yeah. And so you would just twist turn the dial, and there would be an inner uh, telescoping band system. That's the one patent. And the second patent is the interdial uh engineering system where basically it uses like a ratchet it ratches it tighter like click 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 and that was could you integrate that with pretty much any watch what we were trying to do so this is why we took sort of a pivot my goal was to finalize the engineering make it applicable Uh and licensable to license it to the bigger companies. So we met with Rolot, Rolex. We met with Swatch. We met with Fossil. We just kept getting turned down everywhere. And I was like, it's because we haven't developed it enough yet. We haven't sold it. Like, we haven't created enough proof of concept. Right. So we raised, like, cro- close to $100,000, like, the first year. And we're just burning through it on engineering and shit. And you're, like, 22? You're young, right? Yeah, 22, 21, 22. And, um... We just couldn't get it to work. And then I got the job at Google. I needed to take the job. Like, you know, I couldn't pass it down. My parents paid for most of my college. They wanted me to get a job. Like, sure. I'm too much of a, a reckless person at this time, like partying, having fun, like doing myself. And um, so I take the job at Google, go out to Michigan. I'm still with the watch group. They're still back in school for another year. And so I'm like trying to help them on the side. Right. So I'm doing that on the side while I'm working for Google. Some emails during the day. Is Google like, because you said you'd get there like 9, 9, 10. Was it 9 to 5? Yeah, 9 to 5. 9 to 5. Okay. I would sometimes stay till 6, whatever. Man, it would get cold there. So anyways, (laughs) I got bored. I'm like, I'm the type where I was used to working the previous couple years, like just doing, doing something all the time. And so me sitting at home or me sitting around, that was never a thing. Never. It's, it's still never a thing. So I was like, well, shit, I started another phone repair company and like did it well before. Let's fucking do it again. So I, I figured out now how to rank at the top of Google. So with a local service company, if you rank at the top of Google, like we said, your phone's going to ring. Yeah. And so I figured that out. My phone started to ring. And you're, you were the guy doing the repairs. I was the guy doing repairs. So during, during the day, I'm at Google. My phone's ringing. I'm getting emails shit. and form yeah. submissions. So that's what I got in trouble for. So I'm not sure which one of those I got the actual penalty for or the strike for. Maybe both. Who fucking knows? But fast forward um, to March 2015. I don't even fucking know when time it was, but whatever. Um, I was on another call and I got recorded and they caught me being like, hey, like, you know, you could rank higher on Google. <laughs> I was like, you don't necessarily need to do this. Like, your website's garbage, too. Taking off my Google hat. Hold on a minute. Yeah. I work for you now. (laughs) (laughs) And so my friend, I started sending him business. My friend, who I started a software company with in high school or in college, a different company. 
he could program websites, design websites, all that. And I was like, yo, sending him the business for that. Then I would figure out the SEO. And so we, we started the agency. Oh, so you could offer both. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now on the back to the phone repair thing though, yeah. real quick. So you were doing that all yourself. Like what kinds of repairs, basic screen repairs or things beyond that even? Yeah, I would fix it after work. So I'd try to line them all up after work. God damn. And then sometimes during lunch. How um, long does that take? Like for one phone, if I have a cracked screen. I've been doing it for 10 years. It depends what phone you have, 10 minutes. Damn. Yeah. And then what What would you charge for that? I could fix an iPhone 10, 11 screen in less than six minutes. And what do you charge? A hundred bucks. It's not bad. Parts That's cost 40. Great. Yeah. So it's not bad. if you do it by 10 minutes, $60 profit times six, that's $360 an hour. Damn. And then besides like the crack screens, were you doing any internal stuff too? We still do. I mean, I've got four shops. We probably do 30, well, yeah, 30 yeah, repairs right. a day. Um, but at the time, even then? Yeah, batteries, screens, cameras, whatever, iPads. So this is how I ended up really going all in with the agency. So I'm still at Google. I'm fixing devices. This is when I really get deep into like, maybe I should start this agency. So I get a call where this guy wants to drop off his iPad at lunch, and I tell him the location of the building. <laughs> so he drops off his iPad, and he's like, oh, isn't Google here? And I was like, yeah, I work uh. for Google. And he's like, get out of here. I run like a financial firm right around the corner. And I was like, cool, what is it? And we're just like talking, catching up. I fix it. And then he wants to ask more about Google. He's like, my website's really not ranking. At the top. I can't find it anywhere on Google. And uh, I was like... Well, I could probably help you with that. <laughs> <laughs> they got you on the company security camera picking up the mics and everything. Like, yeah, yeah, f- fuck this building. We're going to go out back, buddy. <laughs> like, you ain't got a wire on you, do you? <laughs> and he's like, uh, like, Mike Reed, shout out, bro. Exchange Capital Group. I don't even know if I can shout you out like that, but we just did. Um, and so he's like, how much does something like that cost? And I was like, let me get back to you on that. <laughs> no fucking clue. And so I go home, I do a little research, I'm trying to figure it out. And I was like, it's going to take three months and it's going to cost five grand. He's like, done. And I was like, oh, nice. You should have said 10. I should have said 10. You should have said fucking 20. I should have said 20. Yeah. And so what happens is like when you promise to do something, you're going to get paid for it. Like you got one of two options. You're going to figure it the fuck out and learn it in depth. Or you're just going to fucking bamboozle somebody and take their money. Yeah. Or they're not going to pay you. That too. And if so... you bamboozle them, they shouldn't. Literally, like... Uh, and I'm never one to do any sort of bad, bad business. Like, if I promise something, I'm going to do everything I can to make right. it happen. And so... It just so happens, like, a couple weeks later, I got fired. Maybe they did hear the conversation. Who fucking knows? Um, oh, so they didn't say anything. They just fired you. It wasn't about that conversation. It was when I, I got recorded on a call. They're like, hey, we have this call recording. They played it back in front of me in oh, HR. No. And they're like, is this you? And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's <laughs> is this me. you? It's got your fucking phone number on it, right. all the data, your voice on <laughs> right. there. You're talking back. Is this you? Yeah. <laughs> and so. And what was on that call? A lot of shit. Oh. Was that the phone repair business or was that just like the personal agency business? It was me pitching somebody to redo their website. So I was I like called out his website and told him to go with me. 
I was like, yo, your website looks kind of gay. It's like real fruity. Like we got to fix this up a bit. Like, let me talk to you afterwards. I'll call you back. And um, got recorded. He said something, called the policy team. They saved the recording, gets brought up. And it was like me soliciting business, me calling his website gay, like all this shit. Oh my god! Yeah. So is that like a the security teams here to escort you out of the building, or we're gonna have to talk about this? And um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna bring you back in on Friday, <laughs> <laughs> and then you never come back in. I came back in Friday and was oh, like, you did come back. I came back in for I came in every day, like just sweating bullets in there. You know, we're going. Dude, Google was dope, bro. It was fucking sick. Like, that week we had, like, a company ski trip, and I'm there, like, just sweating, like, not having a good time. Like, I'm going to get fired on Friday. All right. They go in there. I was most upset they took my computer. I really liked it. It was my first, like, real nice MacBook. But, uh, yeah, what? so they fired me, and I was upset because my manager, I'm not going to mention her name, we didn't see eye to eye for a while. Mm-hmm. But when it came down to it, we were the same type of person in many ways. Like, we like to have fun. You know, we like to get shit done. You know, you know, very outspoken. So we butted heads a lot. And she wanted me to be a team leader and team player the whole time. And I never was. So yeah, that's why I got were, in trouble You a lot. wanted to build. You wanted to, you wanted to either have a partner or something and not report to people or just report to yourself and, and go out and start an agency. To me, which this is, is why you were doing it. To me, this is all it was. It was a job that paid me. Mm-hmm. It, it was free food and fun activities, <laughs> and it was it was a stepping stone to whatever I wanted to do next, in some way, shape, or form. Whether I'm going to go up within the company to like the like their capital team or their investment team or whatever the case might be, or me starting my own thing. I had very much already thought about starting my own agency, and so like I wasn't a well, team you player. Had. I didn't have it until like early the year I got fired. So like I was a month in of doing this. Right. So, but you at least had it yeah. like, when it went down. Yeah. I didn't, it. I didn't even have a, a website, a domain, a brand yeah. or anything yeah. yet, you know? Um, but yeah, so she was like, I want you to get more involved. And the reason she was saying that is because people in the team looked up to me because my numbers, I was always top five in the nation in terms of sales for a small business team. Oh, so you weren't just doing customer support. You were going out and actually, because you said you were upselling, but is that the only type of sales or were you also like cold calling in sales? It it was just upselling and upselling. So everybody thought this was so hard and I was like, guys, this is so easy. Yeah. I would put in the bare minimum, but I was always first or second in terms of like conversations had to upsells had, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, guys, they're already spending money with us. There's, this is the easiest sell ever. It's not hard. Yeah. And I, all I'd say was like, oh, sh- you know what would be really cool? <laughs> the most amazing thing you've ever seen. I'm like, dude, have you ever seen a YouTube video? I was like, imagine if, <laughs> imagine if th- this person was about to watch this YouTube video and your video showed up right before. They're literally looking for how to fix their plumbing and your video shows up right before them. Hey, you know, I'm Mr. B's plumbing. He'd be like, that's such a good... I'm like, dude, and you can target it within a two-mile radius of your business. Oh, so you were selling a lot of YouTube with call stuff, to action. Too. I was pushing YouTube hard. Wow. And Google was pushing YouTube hard, and you would get bonus points for pushing YouTube. So I was like, I YouTube all day. And they bought YouTube way back, right? Like, 07, 08, something like that? 
06, I think. Yeah, so they bought it at the beginning. Yeah. So they've, they've had it the, yeah. the whole time. Dude, it was like a billion or two. What a steal. No, uh, seriously. I, there's actually a quote about that, and I'm going to paraphrase because I'm not reading it, but the guy, Eric Schmidt, who was CEO at the time, yeah, some reporter asked him, like, Eric, do you think you got a fair deal? And I guess he was, like, the kind of guy, I've heard this from people who have at least, like, been around him. Like, he was a really kind of gruff to the point kind of dude and he was just like that's a really dumb question or said something like that and he goes either we just overpaid the fuck out of this company or we just got the greatest deal of all time and they're the dumbest people of all time for selling this to us (laughs) and it's so like you look at any deal that's generally you you rarely see any business deal regardless of size that turns out to be like a "Ah, you know that was kind of Stay the same, right? It, it's either you get something that becomes a liability or you get something that becomes an enormous asset and the guy that sold it never should have. You never know right away. It's always a risk. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But they really, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty on that. But I feel like, because I remember like as a kid when, when I first saw YouTube, like the first year it was out, you go from having to turn on the TV to like, I'm on my laptop, I type something in, even when they had a smaller library because there were less creators, it's like... I mean, how does this not make sense? I think it took YouTube. I think it took Google way too long to figure out YouTube. How so? Look at the shit they're doing now. What do you mean? They copy everybody. The feeds, hmm. the suggestions, the categorizations, the keywords. Who are they copying specifically? Facebook, now TikTok. Like, Google is the biggest worst marketing company look at you don't remember any google ads that you've ever seen in terms of like their own marketing for their themselves they're not creative they're not funny they try to copy everybody out like google sucks at their own marketing if they didn't have the search engine they'd be a shit company the search engine is literally mother goose that supplies all ever other endeavors that hemorrhage cash for years and years right Google Glass, like Google Space, like all these other dumb shit they want to do that may or may not be good ideas. They just hemorrhage cash for a while. And in YouTube, man, they should have monetized that hard long ago. YouTube is one of the best things ever created. Everything I know how to do right now, nine, I'd say 90% of it is because of YouTube. It's because of other individuals who have figured something out, not from YouTube or maybe from YouTube, that I now know how to learn and do from them. Search engine optimization. Fixing a new iPhone, whatever the case might be, I've learned it on YouTube. Okay, there's a lot to pick off here. I want to touch all this. Yeah. So bookmark YouTube's copying stuff because I'm going to forget that, but I want to come back to that Yeah. because we could talk a lot about that. There's a few things I'm thinking of. Google as a whole, though, when you say that they're not a good marketing company of themselves, a couple things. Number one they own the center of the internet yep right and they have the power of people's minds go straight to the verb i'm gonna google it yep right so essentially a monopoly yeah so in a way being at the the center of the actual brain let's call it make the internet a brain being at the center of it they don't need to market the usage it's already there right but it's a, it's like one of those things. All you can do is fuck it up at this point. <laughs> exactly, hundred yeah. percent. Like the the biggest example of that of all time. But they, I kind of understand what you're saying when you're talking about like 
them communicating their message beyond just the search bar. You know, so like communicating, hey, you can do this here through us. You know, people assume things like Gmail now because, again, it's through Google. Like they kind of – they couldn't fuck it up. Yeah. But it's not like – I wonder how much they really cost themselves because they're still fucking printing money. But, like, I wonder how much they cost themselves just because they don't really do much outside of the simplicity of the center of the whole thing. Does that make sense? It's kind of complicated how to say that. If they were good at marketing, they could own everything. Think about that. Do they own everything though? In a way, when you really think about it, they own. They do own video, to, like long form video through YouTube. They don't own short form anymore. We'll get to that. But they do own the search as well. They do own how businesses locally do business. They own search. That's all they own. What about email? They basically own that. What about Drive, the cloud? I mean, there is OneDrive. There's Dropbox. There's some other ones, but like Google Drive. Their their search market share, if you include YouTube, is over ninety percent. Sure, yes. Their inner their email, I believe, is less than fifty percent. Their cloud, I believe, is less than fifty percent. But think about it: if you own search, which is the first touch point, and you own ninety percent of it, why do you not own the biggest real estate? search and portfolio like type of company instead of zillow like why do you not you see what i'm getting at with this you could own everything because you control the algorithm do they own ways they own ways yeah okay so they bought that from israeli company yeah right which i don't know if i'm a huge fan of why not i think they should get a lawsuit over ways they have too many pop-ups coming up like if you use ways and you see all these pop-ups because they try to integrate their ads into that because I don't think they're a good marketing oh. company. And they have an ad pop up when I'm trying to take a turn. I can't see it, so I click onto the screen. And I'm driving wrong. Oh shit! I, like I never because I don't use Waze. I've never used it. I yeah. use Google Maps, and I at least don't see that. Maybe I'm not paying attention. But it took him forever to realize how to monetize YouTube correctly. And why? Like how so? Because I, I for wanna, YouTube. Yeah. Like what were they doing? I don't even remember. It took him so long just to figure out search on YouTube could be a good sense of ads. Like we still have Correlation. the or- Yeah, we still have the the organic coming up and then I click on the video and then it's a pre-roll ad because they're thinking television. We're going to show you the ad on TV before you watch your TV instead of like oh, why why don't we monopolize search ads on YouTube? with some extra opportunity once they click, and then they have the banner pop-ups on YouTube. I think they need to get rid of that completely. That's just a mess. Like they, oh, they they're gotta, awful. Yeah. So, like, especially on the phone. Holy shit. Man. Nobody ever clicks that no. because they have a direct interest in clicking that. Banner, banner ads, period. And I won't even speak for Google's homepage, like the actual search, which, which is the one place where sometimes that can still kind of work because of the simplicity of how they put it up, by the way. Like the white back screen, everything. But like, who the fuck clicks banner ads on anything? I don't know. The best thing, the best thing about YouTube ads compared to anything else is you've got to wait five seconds to skip it. That's one of the best things I've ever seen. I should I should have known this answer too, because I'm on YouTube. But I'm like, I haven't paid 
the closest attention to all the monetization details because I've been building to drive traction to Apple and Spotify and now also YouTube. I've turned it towards that. Yeah. But like when I look at my monetization, one of the questions I've been asking over the last couple of weeks, just like trying to figure out the numbers because now I am looking at it. When people hit that skip, I see online a lot of people say like you get nothing for that. But then sometimes other people are saying like, no, you get something for that. And I'm thinking to myself, how's that value to the advertiser? Someone just hit the actual button, like, because they got five seconds in front of you? Yeah. Because you kind of remember what the brand was, maybe? So I'm not talking about the ones that are six-second ads, that they automatically play the whole thing. That's different. So think about it. You think Facebook's not getting the money for whenever you're scrolling on your Instagram feed and a little video pops up? That you skip immediately? Right. Yeah, they're getting paid for that. That's fucking crazy, man. But we get a whole extra five seconds than you did Instagram. Yeah. You have five seconds to catch somebody's attention. You're a small business owner. I'll help you rank at the top of Google. Don't trust me. Try me for free. Like, boom. Just, like, hit them. You got five seconds to get someone's attention. Like, no, yeah. no one else has that. Except for TV, where I changed the channel. Yeah. And sometimes, I will admit, and I'm the guy automatically hitting my fucking because i use youtube all the time because yeah. when i make my cuts for my videos where the fuck am i getting them yeah i'm like a youtube searcher all fucking day looking for shit so i'm like always ready to click always have been even before this i can't stand how they have the ads run back to back you'll hit a 15 second yeah. and then a six second one you're like and i don't understand like the algo with that like why it happens on this video but not that like i always think about that because i i like to try to figure this shit out but like i can't I've never been like sometimes it'll be a two minute video and they'll have the back to back 15 seconds and it's like not ABC News. It's like some random account and then I'll go to ABC News and there's like no ad. And then I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, and they then, can do so much better on the suggested ad video, like a promoted one. It's like always bullshit. If they had better targeting for the suggested promoted video, never click one in my life. Right? If I did, it was by accident. If it was synonymous to the one you're watching, yes, but they, they get so lenient with who could get there. It's hard to say, though, too, because they they are held to marketing standards, right? Like yeah. they have to do disclosures and stuff like that. And yet we're living in a world where people like creators and stuff, forget just on YouTube, like anywhere, can get around this stuff, frankly, yeah. somewhat fairly. I know there's like the whole SEC rule, but like I don't want to – I don't want to use any examples and dox some people here. But like you could work in, let's say I'm going to come up with one. Let's say you are somebody who teaches people different things you need for camping. Okay. Like to go on a basic camping trip. I like it. And so, and I'm making this up because I'm, you ain't gonna catch me camping, put it that way. So let's a lot just, of people would watch it. I bet there's a lot of subs out there. Let's just pretend that like there's a billion different types of scenarios that and there probably are a lot, but there's a billion of them of different ingredients, so to speak, that you could put into, you know, a five or ten thing campsite that you need for one person to go camp in the fucking mountains or two people to camp in the mountains. Every time I make one of those videos, because they're unlimited in this case, I'm using different things so i might use a tent one time maybe the next time i'm using i don't know whatever a not tent is and then one time i'm using a sleeping bag the next time i'm using something that's not a sleeping bag or a different one that's built this way instead of that way every time i do this i don't have to say and by the way use my friends at blankety blankety blank i can work in there subtly and be like and then i got my 
Company X sleeping bag, which I love just because it's like way more comfortable than this one over here. And so we put that in and now you have an ad without an ad. Yes, that's what I'm talking. I love that. I love that. I've thought about that for the longest time. Maybe it's happening and we don't know it, but I don't think it's happening nearly enough. I know Maybe some, 1% I'm, of the time. Yeah, I know some people doing it really effectively. Do you? I'll, I'll show you after. I need that. It's I need that. incredible. Because nobody likes advertising. Nobody wants to see an ad. Nobody wants to have to skip an ad. Like, people don't like being fooled either, but right. they don't mind when they don't know that they were fooled because they got value out of it. It's not even that they're fooled. They use that thing, so why not mention that thing and get a little bit of commission sure. for it? Yes. Yeah. You love doers. Love doers. I'm not here to promote doers. We just like it. Yeah. Doers. If you want to pay us $100, everyone, I think it'd be fair. I'll sit, I'll sit you right here, doers. Sit you right there next to me. Anyway, yeah, I mean, that's the whole product placement thing before, think about not even the internet. Yeah. Like these shows, even back in like the 80s and 90s, they'd be drinking Coca-Cola or something. I think that's so much more effective. I agree. I agree. You know? If like, if Tony Soprano's drinking Stella instead of Heineken, inherently you are mentally at the store next and you're like, oh, Stella. You may not know why, but that's why. I'd love to know the number. So let's say there's like a hot Instagram model with like a million followers, right? And she... I don't know, let's say she's promoting Fashion Nova, but she's always wearing, you know, let's let's call it like something like boutique in LA mm. instead. And like her followers from LA, like I want to know the numbers on like how, how many people are consuming that local shit she wears that's not even tagged in it, but they know what it is versus the Fashion Nova stuff. Because she's only wearing Fashion Nova for that one post. Yep. Versus, like, that's the other stuff she's wearing day to day. Like, you know, she didn't tag it. She's just casually in it. I mean, even think back way before Instagram was a thing. I You can always point to Kanye just because he's, like, a cultural phenomenon outside of music. Mm -hmm. Every time he's done fashion, before he ever even had, like, a serious Yeezy company, right? Even when it was at the beginning and it was a smaller thing. This guy would wear whatever the fuck, and usually he'd do something that was completely uncool to make it cool, and people would be like, it was like to prove a point. People would be like, yo, Kanye's wearing X. All right, we're wearing that now. You know, that's, it's no different for like you, me, or somebody who's not known, but has an audience, or we're known in that way, we're just not Kanye, yeah. and we just happen to use doers, or we happen to use Wawa coffee or something. It's it's no different because the people who are paying attention to us are paying attention to us. And in some way, they're like, hey, what's that person doing? Because there's a reason that I get value from paying attention to them. So obviously some things they do, I'd love to emulate. It makes you wonder, like, if you're going to start your own, like, clothing brand or some sort of, you know, brand that's recognizable from from content, how would you would go about advertising it? It's like, what I would do is try to give some people a little bit of stake in the game. Pull that mic in just a little bit. Try to get everybody like stake in the game somehow. It's like, I'm not going to pay you for this post. Maybe I'll give you 1% of the company, you know, 2% mm. of the company. And like maybe a commission of sales that do come through your link tree or whatever the case might be. But I don't want you to like brag and promote it all the time like that. I want you to just live your life. And if you like this product, 
then I'm giving you part of the company. I you like, represent it well. I like that model. Yeah. Because I, I think another thing with this whole one-off like culture that we've created drives me nuts. And we've seen it for years now. Is that people just pump something because they're paid to do it real quick. Right. Like I will never fucking put something on here and, and pump a product that not only do I use, but like that I love, right? It yeah. has to be both. It has to be something that's like it's a part of my life. Yeah. Like I have two. Well, yeah, it's announced by the time this episode is coming out. I, <laughs> I have two brands that I work with. Who are they? I use their products. The Eight Sleep Pod Pro Cover. You ever heard of them? No. What is it's that? Fucking insane. You got to get one of these. What is it? It is. It comes in a mattress or a cover. And Eight Sleep is essentially this company that they're the first tech company to legitimately go to sleep and say like, "Oh, we're going to disrupt how people sleep." So they built a proprietary app. It ties right into either the cover, which will go right on top of your mattress that you have right now, or a full mattress that is the same thing. You just get a mattress if you wanted one. And then throughout the night, the very first night you use it, you set a couple preferences of what you prefer, and then it learns your sleeping patterns. It learns your stages throughout the night, and it makes sure that whenever they're each occurring, which I don't even understand all the ins and outs of those, it'll change and adjust the temperature of your bed and some other things within there such that you get a deeper sleep. You don't get up. And when you wake up in the morning, it's like, Oh, maybe I slept six hours, but you feel like you slept eight. Interesting. It's fucking insane. So like I use that product is like a life changer. I use it. I get the least amount of sleep I've ever gotten right now. And yeah. I don't feel like I do. So if I go out there and I'm talking to people about it, I'm fucking using it every night. I love it. You like the attitude should be like, you're out of your mind if you don't get this. What's the second one? The second one is Privato VPN. So like VPN company, it's something I was interested in. They reached out in August. There's a lot of VPN companies. So I'm like, yeah. okay, let's see what this is. Really like the team over there. Started using the product in like the end of October. Yeah. Used it for like six, eight weeks. I use it on my phone all the time. It's fucking incredible. So all the things they told me about how, no, no, it matters if you have hardware servers in actual locations versus software to not lose speed. I get to see that over an eight-week period, and then it becomes a part of my life. It's on my computer all the time. It's on my phone all the time. Yeah. I'm into like privacy as like a concept, not necessarily because like we're worried about our privacy because we're the head of the CIA or something, and we're actually worried about people hacking in. It's, it's more like if we start to give up like as a whole people on all these slippery slope type things, what does the future hold? So like a good, to me, like a VPN – is a really good statement back against that. That's why I like it. So like, the thing is, what do I need doing a job like this? I mean, anyone needs this now. I need the best internet. So yeah. if I'm using a product that's telling me, oh, you're not gonna lose speed, and then I lose speed, fuck you. Privacy is important, but I need my speed first. Yeah. You know, so like, you have to believe in shit when I you do it. For whatever reason, I don't know why I don't know much about VPNs or how they work. Does it just... So you can't get tracked and it's just like safer and secure where you can't get hacked. I don't really know. It can be either or or both depending on the product and the strength of the product. And essentially what it does is it masks your IP address, which then a lot of people will argue and they'll argue correctly depending on the company and the product and maybe some tech that we don't know about that there's a way that they could track you back through that. What my... Privato guys have, and there are some other companies that have this thing too, I will say that, is like a kill switch so that when there's 
when the server gets compromised, and I may explain this a little wrong, but basically when the server gets compromised, it automatically kills the record of all the IP addresses hitting it. So like if I'm an IP address here in South Jersey and I'm using the New York server, meaning I wire my IP through New York and therefore when I go to whatever website, they measure – because like right now they're measuring me as as um, South Jersey because I don't have on the VPN while we're recording right now. But like if I turn it on, they're going to measure me whatever company I go to online – even social media, they're going to be like, that's a New York address. Oh. So it rewires you. I could technically do it in other countries too. I haven't really tried that. My understanding, and this I'm really not sure about because there's no need to do it. Like I can use New York or Chicago, but if I put it through another country, it could get a little slower because it has to travel a lot farther. Yeah. But I'm not entirely sure about that. The whole point is that if they have clients in the UK or something, well, yeah, let's have some physical servers in London. And therefore, you know, those people are close to that. They don't lose any speed. Right. No, that makes sense. Yeah, I just basically got like a four-minute ad in there for the two brands. But all right, seeing as we just got a nice native reel in there with Mac asking me about the two sponsors, I'm not going to do an ad right now. I just want to point out where the links are for you guys who aren't aware. The 8sleep link is in my description. If you hit it, you will get $100 off the 8sleep Pod Pro mattress or 8sleep Pod Pro cover like I have at checkout if you use the code Trendifier. So make sure you use that. That's T-R-E-N-D-I-F-I-E-R. The second link you'll see is for Privato VPN. When you hit that, you can get the VPN product that I use on my phone every day of my life for $4.99 a month. And actually, right now, if you buy it before January 1st, you can get that product locked in for a year for $2.50 a month. So half off, nice holiday sale. Make sure you go check it out. And once again, all proceeds from these two companies that you guys do to purchase through these links goes directly to supporting this show so much appreciation and love to all of you who have helped out there yeah i mean like that's my barrier of proof to being able to sell something i get pissed off because the whole reason we were talking about this i get pissed off when i see people just like one day just like hawking some brand use the link in my bio on a gun or whatever it's like fuck you because they're not skilled no they're not skilled so we're gonna take what we can get sorry Sorry, everybody who's an Instagram influencer. You look good. Where's the skill set? Depends on who they are and what they do. You know, yeah. there's there's a lot. There's a lot, especially on Instagram, where they can hide behind a picture. There's a lot that are just fake as fuck. Where's the America's Got Talent out there? They're on TikTok. Yes, love TikTok. Way better than Instagram. A thousand times better. I think you're right. Just so creative. So cool. So creative. So engaging, catches attention right away. When did you get on TikTok for the first time? Uh, like just studying it even? Two and a half years ago. Mm, so you were early too. Yeah. Yeah. Now what did you like about it right away or did you have reservations? I didn't get it right away. I didn't get it right away. I was like, oh, what is this? Not many people are on it. Heard a lot about it. You know, I've been following Gary Vee for a long time. Big fan of mm-hmm. Gary Vee. And he was talking about it and I was like, He's rarely wrong, and so if he's an early adopter, like, I'm going to check it out. I'm going to try it. What I liked about it is, obviously, the immediate exposure of people that don't know about you. I feel like Instagram anymore, like, everybody tries to copy somebody because they get complacent and they get stuck, and it's like anything in life. When you're at the top, you might not work as hard. Like, 
you know, whether you're the, the fastest runner, baseball player, doesn't matter. And so when somebody else comes along, tries, tries to reinvent it and beat you, then you're like, oh, well, I'm going to copy what that person's doing. So, you know, Facebook with Reels and everything they're doing. But with TikTok, I got on and I'm like, wow, I'm connecting with people I don't know about. And it's it's like a new feeling again. It's like you move to a new city and you're like, oh, wow, who lives around me? And you can see, oh, I'm going to add my friends and follow these friends here. So it's a cool new experience. And uh, I don't necessarily remember my first video, but I tried to get it back into it again in spring of 2020. And then I just started using it again recently. It's one of those things where people are like, I don't know what to post. I don't know what to do. Like, I'm not creative. And I'm right there with them. Like, I've never been a creative person. I'm like more, I guess, analytical or like business strategic. But I think it needs to be a priority for a lot of people, especially in content marketing. I mean, the biggest difference with TikTok, though, was that you literally couldn't hide on there. So I I agree with what you're saying because I was on there as well. I guess two and a half years ago, like March, April, looking at it. And it's all 12 to 16-year-olds. But I would even notice back then, because the wider population hadn't picked it up and thought it was just a kitty app or whatever, I noticed that even within those demographics, you'd go look at the commenters on different posts, and you could tell by the comments they're all kids. And then you would go click those profiles, and they'd have nothing up, you know, which was also – that is kind of reflected on other platforms with the youngest generation as well. But still, I was like, okay, so there's a lot of people who are just on here socially to consume rather than create. And then a lot of people are trying to create, but, you know, the best content makes it. The stuff that's not the best doesn't make it. I think it's an 80-20 thing right now. I think 80% are consuming, 20% are creating, if not more skewed. I was going to say, I think it's more. Yeah. Because, like, I'm not going to count the people that try, like, two videos and give up from like june 2020 or some shit yeah so when you take that into account i'll bet you're right by the way i'll refill that for you too but yeah um it's not i'm gonna put this on my story yo is that cool oh, we got the story going what's your what's your instagram julian d dory yo he's got the setup in here julian d dory but um got the doers and everything i think that the other thing that happened here and i've talked about this before but I'm I'm pretty obsessed with like UI UX. Yeah. And like you saw how perfect the UI UX of TikTok was when it came out and how perfect it remains. Simultaneously, while that was all going down, Instagram's UI UX, which used to be incredible, just went in the shitter. Yeah. There's clutter everywhere. You know, yes, they tried to copy with like reels and stuff. And to an extent, I guess partially I could get that. That's not really my style, but I understand they had it. They had an attention problem, but they also started selling like right up your alley here, all this fucking ad space and then putting all these different, you know, disclosures on it that add text to the screen. And then it goes in the middle of all the posts of people, you know, and then you can't find the people you know, and then they change the algorithm so that you're getting more ads than actual posts of stuff you're following, and then the stuff you're following starts to fall through the cracks. So you don't see people who like you actually talk with in your feed all of a sudden, and now you're not getting the content you want to get. You know what I mean? Thank you, yeah. And so while all this is going on, people go to TikTok, and the For You page, and this is also a critical point to bring YouTube back in in a minute, but before I get there, like the For You page... 
gives you everything based on the last five minutes of shit you've been looking at. It learns you right away. Yeah. And, then it, and then you have the option to go to your following feed where it also orders stuff based on what you're most likely to engage with. Instagram needs to do a better job of putting suggested stuff back into my feed, even though it's my feed. I don't go to the explore much. I don't mess around much. Like I look at stories and I look at my feed and I, I mean, honestly, my, my time is skewed. You know, if I were to break down how much time I spend on the social media apps, uh, if we're including Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, I'd say, and Facebook, I, I might be at, I mean, my phone could probably tell me, but I'm on desktop a lot on Facebook and YouTube, mm-hmm. mobile heavy on Instagram and TikTok. So I'd say it's maybe a quarter each. I should be on TikTok more just because it's more entertaining. But I'm like still transitioning from like getting off of this, you know, Instagram cycle, which everybody's stuck on. But the people on TikTok now, they're stuck on TikTok heavy, which because it's better. Well, now you also have the Gen Z, the oldest Gen Z influencers are influencers. They're being called creators now. Let's call it what it is. Yeah. Like they're coming of age. Right. So we're seeing these kids, they're 21, 22, 23. And so now they're in like that prime age of like you're young, but like you're big and you have the attention. And so we've seen the transition from avocado toast girl millennial to like basic, what's the like Fuji cam filter Gen Zer who's not into like all the bullshit. And then that goes over to TikTok where the Gen Zers are also like, I'll share whatever the hell I want. Not not all of them, but there's a se- a big subsegment of them who are like that. Whereas the millennials are still so buttoned up, but everything they put out and like, oh, how does that look? What is my what does my aesthetic look like? Yeah, there's a huge cultural shift there, and TikTok's taking advantage of it. I think TikTok is to Instagram what Instagram was to Facebook. Agreed. And I, I think that's just going to progress too because people go to Instagram now who are younger millennial to see what their friends are doing. Not so much for entertainment. It's more just to see what your friends are doing, what are people up to, just monotonous. 100%, yeah. And that's what Facebook is to the older generation. What, what What's before millennial? I don't even know. What's, uh, Gen X. Gen X. And so Gen Z is now on the TikTok, and maybe they'll occasionally go to Instagram just to see what people are up to, but they're more so seeing what their friends are up to on, on TikTok even, or like what they're creating. Well... The the elephant in the room with TikTok that I think a guy like you would really appreciate, probably notice, but their algorithm, which has been around the shortest time of all these companies, think about it. Facebook, Instagram, been around way longer. Yeah. YouTube, YouTube's owned by fucking Google. Yeah. The greatest algorithm on planet Earth as yeah. it's supposed to be. But the algorithm for content on TikTok is literally 100 times better than whatever the second place is it is unbelievable how fast it learns your behaviors and how fast it learns attention on new creators or creators who are losing attention or creators who are gaining more attention and getting better and then allowing those numbers to adjust accordingly and therefore improving the experience on the app i don't know if i've used it enough to even notice that but i can understand that because I don't think the numbers lie in a sense of the cream always rises to the top. You know, what's good will have many views and will get a lot of followers. Or there are there are there are videos with a lot of views and then you see the person that don't have a lot of followers because they have one-off hits. 
too. So that's where you're saying. that's where it changes though, because Instagram and Facebook don't figure that out quickly. Yeah, YouTube does not figure that out quickly. TikTok will figure out. I mean, some sometimes I'll notice it within like five scrolls where they were sending me one type of video, like a trend that was going on that I had engaged with maybe two posts a half hour before. Yeah, and then I skipped a couple, and they're done. They don't send it again. You try that on Reels. You try that on YouTube with even regular full-length videos. They don't stop for a couple days. They keep trying to throw you that again. Days, yeah. 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 It's nuts. The so, same with their ads algorithm, too. How so? You you look... I mean, Facebook's creepy with it. I wouldn't even look at a watch. I said something about watches. And then my ads for the next three days are about watches. Do you know much about that? The whole the, listening thing? I know Google and Facebook are both listening for sure. Did they talk about that at Google? No. That was the back room. Not to my not to my group. That was the back dark room. Just sell them ads. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Go ahead, though. I mean, TikTok might start listening to, uh, soon, too. But uh, no, they didn't talk much about that. But yeah, yeah. I was seeing ads for watches for days and days. It took almost a week. It's like all right, I'm not clicking on the ad. You guys are just waste, wasting people's ad dollars now. Facebook ads and Instagram ads advertising, like it's gotten so much more expensive. And with Apple fucking them over with the iOS 14 update, it's struggling Wait, what now. what was the story there? So the iOS 14 update was uh, like a privacy and security update through Apple. So you basically had to, you know, people could opt out of being, right? Yes. you know, tracked completely if you had an iPhone and so you know the cost of ads and the cost per acquisition increased probably 30%. So a lot of people started moving their ad dollars since spring of 2021 back over to Google a little bit, over to TikTok, influencers, other things away from just standard Facebook Instagram ads. It literally had a direct correlation like a strong one because it affects everyone. So you it might affects as well everybody. spread it around. Yeah, so it's like if your ads are going to get a lot more expensive on Facebook and Instagram, especially e-commerce stuff, because at the same time, there's, and this is a COVID influx too, so a lot of people, time off, paid time off from work, you know, work from home, I want to start, I want to be an entrepreneur now, I'm watching all these TikToks and YouTube and whatever, I can start my own business and I'm going to do a clothing line, I'm going to run ads on Instagram and YouTube and, or Instagram and Facebook, and so now there's an increase of competition in advertisers Meanwhile, there's a decrease in effectiveness of the ads platform and the algorithm. So you have like a head-on collision here, right. giving people a terrible first experience, which Facebook, they try to give you the best first experience as some ad platforms. I don't know if they all do, but Facebook and Instagram definitely do, where the first time you advertise, well, let's cushion their stats a little bit, pull them in. What do you mean cushion their stats? With the boost button. So the, that boost button is how most advertisers, small business owners, get into advertising because they don't know how to run Facebook ads. There's a difference here. The same, Google has the same thing, too. If you want to unpack this, we can. Yes, yeah. please. So I've seen that button before. It's not relevant to me because I make, like on Instagram, I make reels. Can't At least I can't. I can't boost them, nor would I because if, like... In that kind of sense, if you make good content, it will go into feeds, right? So I'm like, all right, make good content. Yeah, right? yeah. But that button, 
Is that only there for people who have never used ads before? No, it's there for everybody. It's there for everyone. Yeah. But so why doesn't everyone just hit it's that? It's there then? for business pages. Yeah, yeah sure. So, but why then doesn't everyone just hit that repeatedly, according to what you just said? Because I don't know anything about this. So I'll try to give you like an example breakdown. So let's say you have this podcast as your business page you've never advertised before, and you don't know how to run true Facebook ads in the ads platform, the business manager with the Facebook ads manager. Okay. And Facebook's gotten way too difficult. Like, fuck you, <laughs> Mr. Zucks. Like, you log me out all the time. I got a two-factor th- two authentication. It's just a mess. Anyways, so you want to get more awareness for your podcast. So you're like, how do I run Facebook ads? And you're like, well, here's the boost button next to my post, which could be on Facebook or Instagram here. And so let's just say you're on Facebook. You put this post out of our episode, and you hit boost. And so now it's going to give you a limitation of your advertising options. So, for example... It'll give you a budget. How much do you want to spend? And it'll already have that preset for you to like 10 days at like $3 or three days at like $5 a day or something, whatever. Um, and then you have like targeting options. And the first option is like, let Facebook do it for you. You know, let us mm. find it for you, which honestly is your probably your best option right off the bat, which most people pick because they're going to let their algorithm run and show it to friends of friends, people that might know about you, people that are in your friend group already, but don't see it organically, all these other things to increase the engagement, the cost per engagement, like it's going to help you um, feel better about your results, right? Or you could choose your... So they're, they're technically not cooking it. They just give you way better results. Um, and I'm finishing your thought here because I'm trying to follow. But like... You're saying when you first click this, they're going to purposely give you way better results than you're usually going to get just to make sure that you're like, oh, I'm in now. But they are actual results. Like they did send it to those places and those are the numbers. For the longest time, and I'm still not convinced, all of Facebook and and kind of I was just thinking this about TikTok today too actually. Um, all of Facebook's ads results are legitimate. I'm not going to call this out there and like do a whole like class action thing, (laughs) get everybody involved. Um, But I remember looking into it five years ago when I would run Facebook page likes campaigns. And I'm like, damn, I'm getting page likes for like 30 cents a click out here. Let's go. And so I'd see who all is liking it because I wouldn't have the Facebook. I would do it as more of a boost instead of Facebook ads. And I'm like. Who the fuck is this person, you know, from nowhere I've heard of that hasn't posted in two years? Right. I would literally go into the people that liked and you could see them. I would click into their profile and direct message them being like, hey, did you mean to like my Facebook page? Would they answer? 90% of them didn't answer. So are they fake? The 10% that answered, most of them would be like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. So they did push fake shit. And they probably still do. I don't see many page-like campaigns anymore, but that was a thing <laughs> heavy. This was like 2015, 2016, and I'm not that. making this shit up. That's pre-Cambridge Analytica. Yeah. All that. So anyways, back to the boost versus like Facebook yeah. ads. So within the boost, you, you also have the option to like select my targeting. 
So you could choose like an age range, mm-hmm. location, and some general interests. So you could say if you're a podcast, you want to target people in Philadelphia from 18 to 30 who are into podcasts and Joe Rogan or something, right? All right, let's talk about data. Facebook Ads Manager allows you to create and build the data to use that to your success. So for example, your best friend is the Facebook Pixel, which is what fucked up with iOS 14. The Facebook Pixel? Pixel. So whenever you create a Facebook page, like a business account, Mm -hmm. and the Facebook Business Manager, you can create a free pixel that you put on your website or your app or whatever. And so let's say you have your podcast website. So now you put this pixel and it gives you easily installation tips. If you don't know how, go to YouTube and I'll show you how. Mm-hmm. You put the pixel on the website for Facebook. Now it starts collecting data, except for iOS 14 and people have it turned off, of every user that comes to your website. Now Facebook knows everything about that user. If they have a Facebook account, name, age, what other pages they like, what they've shopped for, what they've clicked on, this all still this other on? stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Heavy. Is this the thing that people have to opt into now? Yeah. Because of the whole... Okay. Yeah. That so makes sense. That was, the big fu- that was the big, you know, Apple saying, fuck you to Facebook. And so, <clears throat> I'll give you an example. So, for your podcast now, right? You have the pixel on your website. It's been running for 30 days, right? Pixels on the website, 30 days. Yeah. You've driven a thousand users to the website. It knows everything it possibly can about those a thousand users. So now you can say, okay, instead of this boost button, I'm going to create a Facebook ad in the Facebook ads manager that's linked to my Facebook business manager, which has the pixel. There's a big umbrella here. And if you're an agency, you pull in different Facebook pages, you manage and ad accounts and whatever. And so you say, Okay, Facebook, with this ad, I only want anybody that's been to my website in the last 30 days to see this ad. Or I only want anybody who's been to my Instagram page and liked one of my posts in the last 90 days to see this ad. Or if you have an e-commerce business, I only want someone that's clicked on this diamond earring in the last eight days, added it to their cart, wow, and didn't buy that's how exact you can get. So imagine as a Facebook ads manager, you have a wow. thousand product products. You could get so nitty gritty with all this bullshit if you have enough time. So big agencies are doing shit like that. So and that's a, can I just yeah say jump this in one jump thing? in. That is what blows my mind about why, like an algorithm on Facebook, call it Instagram, same company obviously, can't be as good as an algorithm on TikTok when they've been doing this shit. For 12 years. Yeah. Think about every single thing they know about every single person. I mean, we watch what happened in, in 2016 where that the data was utilized very well by some bad actors and then also like the Trump campaign where they'd be like, all right, well, let's put red instead of blue right there. Let's put this word there instead of this word right here. The, who was the guy? The Brad Parscale guy, the guy that ran his digital campaign. Uh-oh. The guy was smart as hell. Like he figured out like it makes a difference if we use this sentence right there versus that sentence in the third one yeah you know and so that is all based off of all this information that even the end user they are an end user is getting from this algorithm now imagine you're at the company and you can use it that's why i i just don't see an excuse for seeing the same content of something that i skipped the last five videos while tiktok over here it's been around for fucking four years 
five years, let's say they had the data from Musical.ly, who's been around since like 2014. Still, the user number, the demographics of the users were nowhere near where Facebook and Instagram was. Right. And yet, their, their algorithms learn this much. Big data companies, that's all they are. They just figure, like, that's what they invest the money in. I'll give, like, if you're a small business owner listening, I'll give you a perfect example of, like, how I created a Facebook ads campaign using data recently versus hitting that boost button and wasting your money. A brewery, 10 minutes from here, uh, Clarksboro. Is that near here, 15, 20 minutes? I think so, yeah. Death of the Fox Brewery, they hired us. Um, He hits the boost button to get more, you know, likes. Or on Google, there's basically a same boost button from your Google business account. You can click create ad, okay. and it's a basically a glorified boost button Sure. instead of going into the account and using data. So for Facebook, what I did with him, he's got like Christmas at Hogwarts, like new beer for like Harry Potter style beer, whatever. So he's running a campaign. He wants to get more attendance to an event with the beer launch this Saturday. Got it. So he would hit boost. He'd create the event. Facebook's organic reach for a business is dog shit. So unless you have loyal fans that are engaged with a lot of your stuff, nobody's going to see it. It's just their feed is a clusterfuck. Yeah. It's worse than Instagram. It's defeated. Yeah. And so he'll hit boost. And I'm like, dude, like, you're not getting anything with that. And what you are getting is probably not real. Like, who knows? Basically, you're saying you have to use the toolbox available, not the one that's pre Got to use the toolbox. Yeah. If you don't have time and if you don't have money... Hit the boost button. Throw a couple dollars and spend a minute doing it. If you have time or you have money, take advantage of the toolbox, Facebook Ads Manager. So what I did, I'll tell you what I did. Yeah, I created ahead. a 15-minute video. We can put it in the link or whatever. I just made the video because I showed somebody else on my team. If I'm making – if I'm, You did an ad, 15-minute video? Yeah, I, did, I just did a vi- – so my, my video guy is going to turn it into a YouTube video. Um, so People are engaging with that? On social. This is on Facebook you're talking what about. What I took 15 minutes to do? You you put out a 15-minute video. No, so I created a how-to video showing you how to create a Facebook event ad successfully. In 15 minutes? In 15 minutes. Got Okay, yeah. I thought you said it was a 15-minute video and you're running an ad. I'm like, who the fuck is... Like, right, right, right. Like, yeah, if yeah, I go to yeah, YouTube, yeah, yeah. I'll watch that. Yeah, right, 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 you know right. what I mean? I'm yeah. searching for that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um, so... I'll, I'll just explain the dynamics of it. And so, yeah, I, I created a how-to video using Loom to send it to my other guy who wants to know how to learn Facebook event ads, whatever. Right. So what I did first is make sure his pixel is working on the website correctly, firing it was, collecting data. So it's been on there for a while. I can see how long it's been firing data for successfully back in the uh, Facebook Custom Events Manager. And so I would go in, uh, take that pixel, and say, create me a custom audience which is a remarketing list. So remarketing is like targeting people that have seen or experienced your brand before. I said, create me a custom audience of people that have been to the website in the past 90 days. And then Facebook allows you to create a custom lookalike audience. So this is really important. So if you look at a marketing funnel, at the top of the funnel are people that don't know about your brand. Never heard of it. I'm going to try to target them based on their age, gender, demographic, interest, Similarities whatever. Similarities to yeah. the customer. Yeah. The middle of funnel is potential warm customers who don't know about your brand, but they look exactly like your customers. So this is a lookalike audience. So with the pixel... Wait, who is the top? The top is a cold audience. Has no idea about you. 
and there's, how are there's the ma- noted there's no data here there's no strong data oh, no data yeah. okay got it got it the okay. middle is like partial data combined with targeting got so it. for example i take the strong data at the bottom which is anybody who's actually been to his website and i, I say create me a copycat audience a mirrored audience that hasn't been to the website so this is called a lookalike audience and so then you combine that with detailed targeting. So I'll give you the example. That's got to be gold. Anybody who's been to the website in the last 90 days who also likes Harry Potter, who also likes breweries, who also likes beer, who's 21 to 40 years old, living within a 10-mile radius of this brewery. <laughs> so that's called a warm lookalike audience. And then I did a, a remarketing list to compare it. So that's anybody who's been to the website in the last 90 days or... Anybody who likes his Facebook page or anybody who's visited, engaged with his Facebook page or anybody who's engaged and visited his Instagrams, Instagram posts, any previous ads, all this lumped into one bigger audience. If you really want to get into the minutiae, you could drill it down further and further and further in so many different categories. So that's why it only took me 15 minutes. I created all these audience, these lookalikes, created the ads, duplicated the ad, ad copy, A-B test it and, and spit it out there. So you understand, and this is Facebook you're talking about. And so you've learned all this stuff, but how how parallel was it to taking your understanding from Google to that versus like how much did you really have to just like start from scratch and figure out how it worked? Everybody learns differently, obviously. Like I'm I'm someone that has to watch it and then do it. So like you teach me how to like do a soccer move. I'm a big soccer player. I I can't read it in a textbook and do it. You right. teach me. You teach me math and I read it in the book. I, that's not going to teach me. I've got to see you do it. You tell me how to do it and then I do it. I do it again and then it makes sense. You're a visual learner. Yeah, so I'm a visual learner. So the same thing with Facebook ads. I learned it from YouTube. Learned Facebook ads completely from YouTube. As I go, are we recording? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm just, I, I, was, I was checking the production because I thought my volume went out. You're good though. Um, so yeah, so it's it's trial and error. That's been not just marketing, that's been in my entire business, my entire life. And I can't even say that I learned from it right away. Maybe it takes me two times sometimes. Sure. Yeah. It, it's like anything. I mean, even like if you're out there doing something or building anything, your company, like let's say you're a little over a year in to doing it like I am. The things you did, it's like anything else. The The things you did on day one, that you thought were like decent, you'd jump off a fucking bridge if you did them today, right? Because yeah. you had to you had to change over time. Be like, well, that didn't work. Oh, oh my god, I never thought of it that way. Okay, let's iterate this. You're constantly finding something new, and so when you're also dealing with something like you do, where you're actually working within algorithms that are constantly changing and adjusting, yeah, and prioritizing new things, user bases and demographics are even shifting at all times. I mean what you did last month is old. I'm still happy. I'm in the day to day fucking around with things. Cause you need to be like, if you're a business owner, I don't care how big or small it is. If you, if you get out of understanding how your product works or how to make customers more successful, you're going to be fucked, bro. I've got some stories I can tell you of like tell things em. like I fucked up with or learned Let's along go. the day in 2018, bro. I almost completely quit everything. Like, the only time in business that the only time in business that I've literally shut down, like I'm a strong willed person and it takes a lot to shut me down and I don't get stressed out. Like I, I don't think I like to get stressed out very easily, 
But bro, I like shut down and like bawled cry in the middle of like 2018 because I had so much going on and was just like crushed. Was that July 2018 when Facebook announced the new changes to the rules after the Cambridge Analytica scandal? It had nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that. Got it. Yeah. It was Um, just a personal thing? Just everything I was doing. Like I'll I'll try to give you the the quick rundown. Like this story alone could be three hours. Um, I got time. (laughs) And you walked in here tonight, by the way, and you're like, we're going to talk for three hours. I'm like, yeah, I usually have to tell people to stop at the end, but this is why. I could talk for a while just because I have so many stories and, you know, I've been on, on many podcasts and you don't get the true long version of it. But no, you're, you're doing really well tonight because full disclosure, not that I would ever tell you this before, but I am so fucking tired today. I think I slept two hours the last three nights. Why? So like, what? It's what? just been, it's been a long week, but when what are I, you doing? Get some I'm sleep. Working, I'm working, but I'm saying like when I schedule someone, we do it. So I was like plowing myself <laughs> with coffee. The first like 20 minutes I was looking at you and what you were saying, I was like, okay, I think I followed that. And then I woke up a little bit with the coffee and you were kind of carrying it. So you're doing great, but keep going. I get here at six thirty. The man's like, "Yo, you want a cup of coffee?" I'm like, "It's six thirty at night." <laughs> what the fuck? I'm not trying to be up to four in the morning. I had one at like twelve thirty at night the other night, like made coffee, and then it was like five thirty. I was ready to go to bed. And I was like, "Fuck!" It's just been that kind of week. But anyway, <laughs> so you were you were you were getting ready to tell a story there. So well, let, let me just let me just first say one of the best decisions I've ever made since being in business. The end of 2015. Like, I, I'm a thoroughbred, like, through and through entrepreneur. Like, there's no other game for me. Oh, we can tell. 100%. Um, the best decision I ever made, because, man, I've been f- just tired. I've been tired. Up until COVID turned things around for me, it put things in perspective. Mm-hmm. And I can tell there's two big stories I have in business. I guess three big stories if you get me starting out, and then the shit in 2018, and then the shit early 2020. All right, let's the- start. One, two, three. Well, the best thing, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the best thing that I've done as a business owner is really trusted someone that deserved to be trusted and allowed them, allowed myself to take a back seat to let somebody else grow the company. And that was your partner? And I did that with both companies around the same time last summer. So the agency and the phone repair business. Correct, yeah. And you have different partners in those two. Correct. Okay. They're both 24 years old. Wow. They both just graduated and I hand them a gold platter and they deserved it. And they've taken it and run with it. I take it that was pretty hard for you because you're, you've been an entrepreneur, like at least leading up to that point, you've been an entrepreneur at least in spirit your whole life and also in practice. And now it's like, you know how that is. You build some shit yourself from scratch. There's a certain way of doing things. And then the idea that like, even like this detail, you're going to hand off and turn your head. That's tough. I don't know if it was a greater power, if it was karma that I had deserved at this point, but like sometimes in life as a business owner, you're just shown a sign where it's like this, it's now. Like, you've got to do this now. You know, there's no other opportunity like this. And the reason I say that is because things got tough when COVID hit for everybody. 
for every business, for every employee, for everybody. And that's when you could really tell if you're already struggling, which I was for both businesses, because my first bit of advice here, if I have given advice already on this podcast, I'm not sure. (laughs) My first bit of advice is do not start two companies at the same time. It's phenomenal advice. And try to build them concurrently at the same time without a business partner. I like to think I am a successful entrepreneur, but... I don't know. I think a lot of the facts would say otherwise up until recently because, bro, I burnt myself out. So anyways, don't start two businesses at the same time. And so COVID hits and I saw who was truly loyal and still willing to get after it and be hungry, who had been there, who wasn't like brand new, who who knows the, ro- the, the rules and the ropes and everything. Like, who's with me? They wanted it. Who's fucking with me? Yeah. And like you don't got to be the 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 sharpest in the bunch, but luckily they both were, and they're both fully capable. And I had an agreement with both of them, so I got my lawyer involved, wrote up partnership docs, corporate docs, all this stuff. We moved both from LLCs to S corps, and I gave them both equity and profit share. I'm not going to say how much. Jerry and Sean, shout out, love you both to death. These guys are brothers to me now. I'd take a bullet for them. Like, I fuck with these guys hard. And so I said, here's a piece of my pie. Here's some castle. And, like, you're, you're, you're family now. Right. And that's how we did it. Like, straight up, blood brothers, you're family now. Because this was my baby that I trusted for five years. But, like, I'm defeated almost, you know? Now, and why was that? Because you said that happened, like, when the pandemic hit. So was it just business like a lot of other people just went through the fucking floor for a minute so it all started in 2018 so like it 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 builds upon itself to like um i just i don't i I don't want to say i got like too big for what i was trying to do but um what point did i want to make want to make real quick uh oh so just at the end of this year, this is this is news to everybody. So I put this new partnership agreement out for them. It, I'm not in this for the money. I don't actually care about money. So for everybody listening, that's weird as shit to hear. Um, now when people say that, like when you say that, and people say bullshit, how do you tell them not bullshit? I care about freedom. And I've built my mm-hmm. life up to this point not building something that gives me freedom. Hmm. So I screwed myself over looking for the thing to give me freedom. So you were making money, but you had part. you had to do absolutely everything, and it just kept going that way. So and now like, I'm getting freedom by giving these guys ownership in it. everything. I'm still very much involved because I operate like this as a human being, and I enjoy it. But I can just be like, oh, like I'm going to take off. My first year in business, oh, I'm going to take off. I'm going to go. I traveled forever for the first and a half, like first one maybe two years and then things got busy right multiple locations many clients employees all this stuff um but yeah so that's what happened so at the end of this year i'm giving them both more equity than was promised because like i don't i'm not here for the month like these are both lifestyle businesses for me like momentum's going to be around for a long time Phone repair Philly, yeah. yeah. Phone repair Philly, we might sell in the next few years, depending on what happens with the the tech market. Um, but it's been crazy. So to get to the full story, and I, I 
hate talking too much when this should be like a Dude, dialogue back and this forth. Is, no, this is why I bring people in here. This makes my job incredibly easy. <laughs> He's going to go to sleep now. He's I'm like, now chill. I can fall asleep. Now I'm laying back and relaxing, but I'm listening. Very entertaining. So keep going. All right. I'll make the short and sweet of it to, for the most part. Um, I get fired from Google. 2015. Spring 2015. I'm walking home. It's fucking negative 10 degrees out, foot of snow. I'm crying on the phone with my mom, completely devastated, so upset. First time I ever hit depression in my life was right after that. I've only hit it twice. And so, uh, maybe three times. <laughs> I had a very fortunate childhood upbringing, like very loving parents that are still together, hardworking, like, you know, middle income family, whatever. And, um, you know, I was out in Michigan, kind of on my own, and then made a f- bunch of friends, and I'm having a good time now, finally. And I get fired, don't know what to do. I'm still stuck on this lease, stuck in Michigan. I had the Vortec watch startup to fall right. back on. Right. I had the phone repair company to fall back on. How much money were you making on the phone repair business at the time? Maybe a, a grand or two a month. All right, so it was something, but it's not enough to live off. Right. And then I had the agency that I had just started. And how much were you making a month on that? Not much, maybe another thousand a month. Oh, okay, so you had like a little bit of cash flow at least. Yeah, you had, a, I had, you some had cash a baseline. Flow. Yeah. Okay. And so I lose the salary and the job and everything. I file for unemployment. Don't get it because I get fired for like good reasons or whatever. <laughs> Fuck them. And <laughs> but I'm like scared. I'm like I'm on. I'm out in the middle of Michigan. I don't know what I'm gonna do. You know, I don't know if this phone thing's gonna work. I don't know if the agency's gonna work. And I was like, I'm gonna bankroll in the startup with the Vortec watches, guys. Like. I've got a family here. I've got people that I know and can trust and like, let's do this thing. And meanwhile, they had taken a pivot to launch a Kickstarter to retrofit vintage pocket watches. And they basically said, fuck the technology. Let's build a brand. Totally changed the project. So they take old vintage pocket watches like the railroad conductors use, like the Hamilton. Does anyone fucking have those? The, the like you can find them on eBay and like random auctions and stuff. Okay. And they retrofit them into like our stainless steel 3D printed like mechanisms with like custom leather. They changed the brand completely. And I was yeah, like, why guys, not just buy a watch? I'm like, guys, this is a million dollar business. What I was building was a billion dollar business. So what the fuck? Because we we're gonna license the technology. Why did they do that? Because we we couldn't get the technology to work. Well, and that, they gave yeah. up. They gave up. They gave up. They gave mm-hmm. up. So we had a fight there. This is right after I get fired. And they're like, yeah, we're going to have to separate ways with you. And I was like, too bad. Like, we've got a fucking partnership agreement. Get lawyers involved. Our, our lawyers literally had the exact same name. It was so fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> they're piss battling back and forth. <laughs> we settled. I get a little bit of money. A little bit of like remained equity and IP, whatever. So I'm like butthurt about that. Just got fired. Don't get unemployment. And then my mom calls me. She's got cancer. Ugh. My mom tells me she's got breast cancer. So I'm like, I've got to move back right away. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing out here. Like, this is ridiculous. And she was like, I. she, she goes, she gives me, she gives me my fucking, you know, rescue line. She gives me you know, the opportunity to breathe. She goes, I know you're going to be successful. Don't worry about me. I'm going to be all right. Just do whatever you think is best for you because I believe in you and you're going to make it work. And I was like, 
I'm going all in with this marketing agency. Mm. And so I had that, you know, financial company for the SEO. I'm, I go hard with that. Hard as fuck, dude. And then I go hard as fuck with the phone repair company because I'm out with the startup. I'm out with Google. And so... And you're, you came home. So I'm stuck in the lease for a couple more months. My friends are still there. I'm like trying to patch things up. So I'm there three more months. By the time I leave, the phone repair thing's doing like five, six grand a month again. Wow. The agency's doing four, five, six grand a month. So I'm like, all right. Yeah, you're making over 100K. Yeah. Is that profit or revenue? Revenue. All right. So yeah, but you're making, you're probably pulling 70. Yeah. Well, like I, I don't know. I'm pulling something in. And so I sell the phone shop, the the phone repair company, which had no office, no shop, nothing. It was literally mobile. I would go to people. People would literally drop phones off at my house to a frat house. I would go fix it upstairs while I'm eating ramen. 15 minutes later, come back down, drop it back off to them, or they'd pick it up later. I swear to fucking God. So you you basically sell the client list when you're selling that. I sold, the, I sold the ranking on Google. That's all that she fucking gets. Oh, well, gets. you have that too. Yeah. Forgot about that. That's equity. Yeah, that's valuable. That's, ver- that's digital equity. Yep. And yep. so she paid me, you know, 15 grand over the next year. She didn't have much money up front. She, it was my technician bought it from me. And it was this lady cat. Shout out to her. Oh, um, so you had another person who could fix this stuff with you. Yeah, I had her t- taking phone calls, a message, whatever. Got it. I got 15 grand from Vortic and some IP. So like not much money at all from either of them. Um, I moved to Philly and I was like, I'm starting this agency legit, bought the domain name, create the website. My partner from LA, I was going to move to LA versus Philly, but I was dating the girl at the time, moved to Philly for her mm. and move into a, this office space, paying like 300 bucks a month. I spent some money on tools and equipment because I was like, fuck it. Like, I know I can make money fixing phones. How many people did you have working for you at this point? It was me. It was just you. It was me for both companies. No one else. It was me. And my partner would help me set up domains, help me build websites a little bit. I was fixing phones while on conference calls or like building a website or. These are like different things. Like that's so much like. Your focus is all over the place. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even know how you manage time with that, especially since just thinking about it, I could say this for both businesses, but just focus on the phone repair business for a second. Someone phone, it's someone's phone. They use it all day, every day. It's broken. They need it fixed. They find you. They don't need it fixed like next Tuesday. They need it fixed right now. So it's like, well, I got to schedule that at five o'clock. It's like your whole, and then your agency, you got to take care of shit that something's got to be done by six. And it's like, you you don't even know what your schedule is at the beginning of the day. This is it's funny you say that. I can guarantee there's been at least a hundred times in my life, at least a hundred, where I've been on a marketing conference call with a client or potential client while fixing a phone for a phone repair customer, while putting the conference call on hold to say I have to pee. <laughs> or do something else while I'm taking a phone call from an incoming phone repair customer. Oh, no. While while I'm on that phone call, looking up the notes from what I should be saying on this marketing conference. Four things at one time. At least 100 times in my life. I was just talking to this girl the other day about it who I used to see. And she was like, I, I've seen you do that and I have no idea how you do it. The human brain is not wired to do anything like that. The human brain is technically not wired to do two things at once. It's like a weird trick we play where we're not really doing two things at once. We just switch back and forth. That's like the pseudoscience of it. So please check that people. But 
like doing four things at once is like fucking hilarious. I mean, to me, like you know how you can tie your shoes while like talking to somebody. That's me fixing a phone now. It's hard for me to do, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I, focus is a really sacred thing. Yeah, and to do jobs right, I mean, there are things. I can imagine you fix so many phones, for example, and that's a more physical thing. And it's like a, in a way, if I put a blindfold on you after you saw what the phone was after a while, it's probably the type of thing that you could kind of do it or like come close to doing it that way. Yeah. So it's like a little bit of muscle memory, but God forbid you have some shit that actually activates the brain. Like if I'm typing out like something simple, if I'm taking notes that I had written from an edit of a podcast, and now I'm typing them, not direct, the note, there's a lot of notes, I'm typing them into timestamps. Yeah. I can't have a podcast playing in the background when I'm doing, that I'm actually engaged with, right? Like, I can have music, but I can't have a podcast because there is, like, translation and thinking. So when you are activating things that aren't just, like, muscle memory, like, pop, 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 and you actually have to think about how to formulate it, doing another thing at the same time is actually technically like impossible again please check that but that's what i've heard it's weird how the body and mind adapt to things because i haven't had to do that as much recently so my multitasking skills aren't as good as they used to be it's not the worst thing in the world you shouldn't want to have to do it i was writing an email today and one of my uh guys is sitting next to me and he asked me a question and i'm like what Two years ago, I'd have been like, yeah, dude, like, exactly do that. Yeah, It's weird. But um, I'll fast forward in the journey. So I start making a little bit of money, reinvesting it all. I'm eating ramen and eggs, bro. I'm living. It's always ramen. Yeah, it's always ramen. It's always fucking ramen. Ramen's not bad, dude. It's I have not. a special way it of doing it. It tastes okay. I have a special way of doing it. It tastes all right. Yeah, it's all good. Right. I do ramen and eggs together. So I make the ramen. I blow it. I don't microwave it. That's a dish, right? Or am I very wrong? Like it, it, well, it's like it's kind of definitely get the culture wrong, but like a dim sum maybe. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like uh, you know, like a fried. Yeah, I don't even know. Hmm. It's fire though. Put a little. I, I boil. I boil the ramen. Put it. Do it correctly. Don't microwave the shit. You know. <laughs> You're classy. And, and then empty the water. Put oil back in uh, uh, the pot that I boiled it in. Put the ramen back in, stir it all together, crack some eggs, mix them all in there, put some spices in with it. We're good. Get the protein, you get the carbs. It's not too heavy. It keeps your mind it's sharp. It's a $1 meal. That's it. $2 a day. Throw some zero in with that. You got a 250 a day, you know, living expense. You know the deal. And I lived like that because I acted like I was poor when I really wasn't. I just got $30,000 from the, this other stuff, but I wanted to treat myself mentally like I was poor. Mm. So I did that for a while. That's a great trait to have. The first couple months, I didn't go out. I didn't drink. I I slept like three, four hours a night. Putting your back up against the wall is one of the best things you can do as an entrepreneur. Because then you see what you're really made of. When you're comfortable as an entrepreneur is when you're fucked. Yeah, I'd say in anything. Facebook and Instagram got comfortable. TikTok comes, like anything. Real estate company, like you can't get comfortable and maybe I'm getting a little comfortable now. So now I've been trying to sign a lot more business and hire a lot more people and like try things that I shouldn't be doing right now that I know I could get in trouble for in terms of like doing too much at once, but like getting comfortable complacency 
is i forget the saying it's like complacency is next to death or something yeah something along those it's lines. like retiring when you like if you're a business owner your whole life and you retire you die within a year you know what i mean it is same so thing for your true. business it's so true man people that leave people that go at a million miles an hour not even a million miles an hour they just you know they go at 65 miles an hour they go pretty hard right for 40 years doing something they just, they keep, look, especially people who are in corporations who are like talented people who could have gone and done something on their own, but they did the plan. They made a lot of money doing it. Yeah, and they're like, yeah. they're, they kind of hate it by yeah. the last, especially the last decade. So what are they doing? They're looking up at the finish line. They're like, oh, I'm going to be playing golf every day. I'm going to be going down to Florida, having whatever. And yeah, <laughs> they get there and they're like, this is it. Fucking early bird special. A beach that I sit on. There's nothing to do. I don't have a purpose. I mean... The mind ages, I'm convinced of this. Pull up any science, I'm very convinced of this by watching other people that I've seen it happen to. The mind ages immediately, and then it affects your body immediately. It is like you can literally, 100%. I'll bet you could look at a picture of somebody who 100%. retired a year ago yeah. and put them next to each other, and maybe they're getting the most sleep they ever have. But like you can just literally see like they were alive, they're dead. Well, perfect example is I went to Penn State. I don't know if you remember the whole Sandusky shit that went down. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I, I got not? interviewed four times. I was, like, around every interview, and I always got interviewed. And I was Joe Paul, ride or die. Joe Paterno, ride or die. And What was that like? Like, and when I'm sorry, I got to take a sidebar. I was in the middle of that shit, bro. In the middle. It was my senior year. Did or you shift year. on that eventually? Uh, I did. I did. I still remain true. Um, I'm listening to this this audio book right now. By who? So I'll I'll give it to everybody. I'm listening to this this uh, book on Audible that teaches you. It's by Malcolm Gladwell. So everybody might might know Malcolm. Know him well, which one? Uh, so it's called Talking to Strangers. Talk about a lot on this podcast. Yeah. Really? Yeah, phenomenal. So it, phenomenal. So it's about defaulting from truth, basically. So, people always default to truth. And so, Joe Pod did the same thing. And I'm glad he brings it up in the book because that's what I referred to in the situation without knowing the science behind it. Is in the back of his mind, he might have been like, oh, like I, I know he could be a bad guy, or like, oh, like Sandusky. I've heard about things him, from him before, but like, there's no way he would do that because he told me he wouldn't do that. Other people told me he's a good guy. He's helped so many young people. So I'm going to default to truth. Yeah. And so I don't think Joe Paul truly in his sense, like he was defaulting to truth. Yeah. And so that was my whole point that I was making whenever I would get interviewed. Thinking back on it, like I couldn't hate Sandusky more. Like what a fucked up human being. Yeah. So. Way to put so many kids through that in the school and like families like i'm it was, disgusted it, it by was, it it was like a and i mean this in all the wrong ways it was yeah. like the, the things that he did and the ways like they pulled it off like whoever else was involved like all these other weirdos it was like that shit's not real that's a south park episode right and then it's like holy shit it's completely real and then imagine like all the people who go completely uncaught for this it's fucking crazy right man. The weird thing is he thinks he's in the right because he helps them and they love him. It's like 
you're molesting a child. Yeah. Like, what? But anyways, yeah, I was caught up in that um, in, in the sense of like getting getting here, just being such a loyal Penn Stater as we all were. Um, it was very, I guess, culty and still is. And um, Joe Paul's not a bad guy by any means, but he was defaulting to truth. He did. Yeah. I think that's a fair, because I, I don't remember that part of the book. Like I vaguely now remember he might have mentioned it, but I got to go reread exactly how he went through that. But we live in a society and have for a long time now, and I think that that was one of the ultimate symbols that the shift had happened, where it's either all great or it's all evil, and it can't be anything else. And the minute you give up ground on one side or the other, that means the other side wins, and they get to say, oh, it's all good, or oh, it's all evil. And with him, it seemed to me that, yeah, he just, there's probably a part of him that didn't want to believe it, yeah. And it's like if you are sitting at home without, you know, right now and thinking about this, without the benefit of hindsight, without the benefit of being somebody like that in that type of position, it's very hard to say how you would respond to that. Now, we would all like to say, oh, we would have gone to the cops right away. But sometimes it can be so ridiculous that maybe someone, what's the word? They analyze it unknowingly in a biased way in their head with that. And that's probably a better way of saying default to truth. Yeah. That then they do genuinely feel like they're doing the right thing based on the right reasons. And it's not. It's still a mistake, but it's not like they're like, yo, fuck those kids. You know what I mean? It's imagine like, let's say, it's like hearing about your, your, your dad and you hear like, oh, like, you know. He lied about this thing, and he he's a scam artist. Right. And you're like, what? No, he isn't. Yep. Or anybody telling you anything about someone that you love and trust. You're like, fuck you. I have no signs of this. It literally takes factual evidence, like catching somebody on a video or like having something that's foolproof. And even then, you'll still default to truth. Like, that was edited. That's a lie. That can't be true. And so, I mean, that that's a lot with ha- what happened with Penn State. But, um, yeah, so I, I, was, I was there during that. There was the riots, Penn State, you know, Joe Paterno getting fired, Graham Spanier getting fired. And that was my time there. And I'd been a ride-or-die Penn Stater, like, growing up. My brothers, my dad, my, my parents met at Penn State, like, the whole thing. So pe- people like to say Penn State's a call. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I had a good time there. Yeah, and you were – I'm trying to remember. You were bringing that up because of, like – something to do with complacency so were you was that what it was so you were saying you were defaulting to truth so it's like kind of an unwanted complacency or an i accidental? was saying it because joe paterno had football to live for and penn state to live for and he got fired and within a month died oh that's yeah right. that's that's yeah. what it was yeah yeah and, and that's you know what if you have nothing to live for then you can die for anything that's a phenomenal example because he was and he was he was what like 84 when he got fired or something like that his pride his respect everything about him was crushed so you're gonna die that much quicker i remember seeing because that was like a surreal couple and, weeks and he was actually a really good human being i would met him multiple times yeah and and a lot of people a lot of people still say that and i it it's tough it's like 
you know, you get in trouble if you say one thing or the other, and I, I never really opined on it. It's, I mean, it's not me. It, it's, it is, I'm like kind of ambivalent to some of that stuff with like people's legacy. Like I remember Joe Pa's a great coach, seemed like a nice enough guy, might've made a big mistake. I wasn't there. I don't know. Life goes on. Right. But I remember seeing him like that surreal scene. I think it was right after he got fired yeah. where everyone was outside his outside, house. Yep. And he, were you there? Yeah, I was there. You yeah, were there, yeah, was there. And he comes out and you just... He's like, go home. Like, I love you guys. Go home. Like, thank you. And, and you just see his whole body like it's that. Exhausted. And it's watch just Watch like, the, the documentary on that whole that whole thing. It's a good... I'm I can't, about to watch it again tonight. I, I, you know what? I've seen it a million times there, <laughs> right, right? Like the title. I can't. I'm just like, that whole thing was so disgusting for me. You know, and, and like I, we've read the details, we've heard the details, we saw the cases play out in the media, which, you know, who knows how much they even report. Maybe there's some stuff they, that was even worse than may, they made it appear. But I mean, it was just, it's one of those things where like, I get it. It was bad. This is so fucked up. I can't even fathom that another human being did that. And, and apparently a lot of human beings, cause it wasn't just him. And then all these other people covered up for it. Potentially it's like. I don't need to relive that, you know? No. Like, I know what happened. What I can tell you about school, though, is this is the time to try things. Mm. That's what Agreed. I learned from that. I didn't pay for food most of my... So I went to school two years. I played uh, soccer down in Virginia Beach. So okay. I, I uh, followed my cousin... I had a bunch of D1 offers, but I was like, I want to go to the beach, have fun, like get away from like all this bullshit. So I go down to Virginia Beach, I play soccer at Virginia Wesleyan, really good D3 school for two years. Didn't like the coach at all, but like fell for this girl. So I stayed there an extra <laughs> year. And so I'm down to Virginia Beach. I like That's like two for you. You moved to Philly for a chick. You stayed at college an extra year for a chick. I think there's a pattern here. Uh, there's, I've done a lot of things. I for think girls. there's a pattern. Yeah, the whole Google thing. That was another one. I don't know, man. About to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was there for two years, and the school was like a high school, bro. Like not challenging at all. Like it was a joke. I'm like tutoring the other kids. And uh, me and the coach didn't get along, whatever. So I transferred to Penn State. And the things I took away from Penn State, big school, big opportunity, get involved. And so that's one of the reasons Google hired me. I was like very involved, very like much overachiever. That's that's who I am as a person. But I joined every possible club. The, like the first week, there's like a club orientation. Look at all these clubs, like a little club fair. You could join all these different clubs. You're talking about college now. Yeah, Penn okay. State. Yeah, right. And you could join all these different clubs. And so I signed up for every club. Every night of the week, I was at a different club getting free pizza and soda and learning about snowboard club, marketing club, you know, business management club, all this different stuff. But then you don't just sit there and like eat the pizza, meet people, make right. connections, go to parties, make friends. I don't, I've never met someone that has a, more people in their address book than me. I'm very well networked in that sense. But the thing that I fucked up on that I everybody I wish everybody listening doesn't is stay in contact with people yes. like you can as much as you want because if you have time do it. I didn't have a ton of time running both these businesses, but that's one thing. There's not much that I regret. That's one thing I regret is letting 
letting relationships slip away. People mm. get busy. People start families. All these different things. But my time from when I started working at Google to up about 2017, so about a three-year span, I would travel the country, and I would just pay for airfare. I would go stay with my friends for free, who I met during college, who I formed relationships with. Those are the times you're not going to get back in life. Yeah. Those are the times you're going to remember. Those are the times where you're going to save money and live moments and, and not have regrets and do cool things. And so, like, meet people during college. Like the young, the young time in your life is where you have time to explore and create, and not worry about money as much. So, like, don't worry if you don't have it all figured out once you graduate. You don't need that nine to five job. And if you get that nine to five job and you have an entrepreneurial de- uh, endeavor or uh, interest in mind. Use that as a building block because that's what I did with Google. Is I learned everything I could right. about their algorithm and about their ads, so that I could help other businesses. and And those are the businesses that I started working with, who I formed relationships with while you were working. While、there. I was working there, <laughs> and that's the sense of it. And and you're, and I am, I do not feel bad one bit about it. Look at this point, like you capitalized on it. You've walked the talk with your. Entrepreneurial attitude, running two companies, and then like even before that. But I'm saying like since then, like building these two things and and getting to the point you are now, years later too. Like、yeah. it, it hasn't been five minutes. But the the one thing I would add to that is that people have to know themselves too. So much, you know. I love that. There are there are a lot of people out there who share that type of dog mentality, like you and I have, where we are entrepreneurial. We want to go do this, this, and that. There are also a lot of very talented people who, and my friend John Rondi came up with this. I loved it, where he's like, there are a lot of people who are intrapreneurs, meaning they don't want to take the risk. Maybe, maybe, and and actually, for many of them, that's fair. But I'll take it another level, as he did, which is like they are actually best as like a brilliant number number, number two, two. Or, or number three, like number like 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 a consigliere or something like that. Yeah, you know, they're the person that understands like. How to how to plug in any holes that are around there,、yeah. and so there's a lot of people out there who might be coming out of college like, damn, I've been listening to fucking Gary Vee since I was like 15, and he tells me, <laughs> fuck the corporations, man, you gotta go out there, you gotta hustle, and you know what, you gotta eat shit, you gotta eat ramen, you eat nothing. I ate nothing for five years. I lived in an apartment. I didn't fuck till I was 37. Like they listen to that and they're like, well, I guess if I'm not doing that, then I'm a fucking loser. But. It's not like that for everyone. There are people who can go build through a nine to five and rise through the. I'm sorry to make you laugh that much, but like they can go rise through the ranks because that's more who they are, and then they can get to a happy life. You know, you have to understand like which one you are, and if you're going to be that entrepreneurial guy. Because frankly, or or girl, like if you're not willing to do the types of things like that you've <laughs> talked about tonight, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think my Gary Vee is like that good, but yeah, have you seen the Stevie Emerson or Trevor Wallace impressions? Oh my god, they're <laughs> fucking incredible. They're spot on. Have you seen the one with the recent like garage sale? I have not seen that. <laughs> I have not seen that. He's like, how much for that quarter? He's like, <laughs> he's like it's a quarter. He's like, I give you twenty four cents for it. <laughs> That's like spot on, man. But yeah, I mean, you have to like. There are different people out there who may be looking at that societal impression now, like fuck all this other shit. But yet, some of it might be for them. What I don't like to see is when people automatically just decide to default, no matter who they are, decide to default 
to what they feel like is a rat race. Meaning, could be the person that says, like, all right, get the job, rise up through the ranks, get engaged by the time I'm 29, get married at 31, have two kids, start slowing down in the 40s, play golf on the weekend with the boys, 50s, I'm looking at the finish line, 401ks at $3 million, 65, I'm retired, go to a beach in Florida, and I die, right? Yeah. There's a lot of people who just say, well, that must be what it is. Yeah. That's not necessarily true. But are there people who are, like, very happy going along, making $200,000, feeling fulfilled in their work, working with people they love, having a nice family, doing hobbies on the weekend, and then retiring on their own terms. Fuck yeah. I love it's that. It's just like, if you're you, like if you're you. I love that. You can't do that. No, I can't You'd do that. You'd be fucking miserable. I'd be miserable. That. Right. One of the first books everybody should read when you get into entrepreneurship is The E-Myth. The E-Myth. Because you'll understand where you fit in this paradigm. Who wrote that? Uh, I don't remember, but what you'll learn is where you fit in as an entrepreneur. If you are the entrepreneur or if you're the technician or if you're the, the manager per se, because a lot of people like, let's say you're like me and you fix phones because you love fixing phones and you're a phone fixer. Mm. It doesn't mean you're a business owner doesn't mean you're an entrepreneur. doesn't even mean you're a manager. You could be a business owner and a manager and, an, and, and a technician, but you shouldn't be an entrepreneur. And what this means is understand yourself. Just like you're saying, you don't start a second location. You don't expand. You get really good at what you do. You create a loyal customer base. You do a great job. You're a technician because you're good at fixing phones. And you try to get better at customer service and social media and whatever you can and stay up to date with the times. Read the E-Myth. If you're an entrepreneur... By Michael Gerber. By Michael Gerber, yes. Yeah. If you're an entrepreneur, realize you shouldn't be the technician. Realize you shouldn't necessarily be the manager. You need to be the visionary. But to be the visionary of a company, you probably need to raise capital in some nature sure. to be able to afford yeah. the manager and the Fuck technician. Yeah. And so I tried to be a bit of all three. And what I also tried to do, because I am what I like to say is a true entrepreneur, I get caught with the shiny ball syndrome. And the shiny ball syndrome is... I haven't heard of that. It's where you see a shiny ball and you start chasing it because there's money behind it. Mm. So as an entrepreneur, you're like... Oh, and especially those who want to start a marketing agency or in a marketing agency is the shiny ball syndrome fucked me hard because I'm sorry with my language all day here, but it really they messed me up. Deal with yeah, me. Don't worry they've about dealt it. with yeah. <laughs> uh, the the major problem there is you already have entrepreneurial tendencies to get distracted. The shiny ball is distraction. Mm. And the distraction is another business opportunity where you can make money. Right. And it gets hit tenfold if you're a marketing person because people come to you who are other business owners and startups with business ideas and startup ideas. And if they're a good salesperson, I need to def deflect a lot of times. Right. So people will come to me like, oh, instead of me paying you for your marketing services, let's go in on this together. Or let me pay you on the revenue we generate from it. So that's what really messed me up in 2018, combined with bad hiring decisions. I don't think I'm a bad entrepreneur by any means. I think I've bad, made bad decisions based on not knowing better. 
and based on ego leading me to making bad decisions mm. in the past. My ego has messed me up many times because it's a big problem I've had. And I don't have much empathy that I've had to develop empathy over the years to become a better manager. So those are things that I can talk about. When, when you're talking about the empathy, though, is that more with in a work setting where you are just so driven, like as yourself, you can't understand why someone else isn't exactly like that type of thing? When you develop empathy in one arena, business versus personal, it helps you develop it in another one, but not concurrently one-to-one, equa relative. And so um, if I get more empathy from a learning lesson from something I've faced in business, it'll help me a little bit in the personal, but not one-to-one in relation, if that makes sense. I've never heard someone explain it that way, but that makes perfect sense. I hope that makes sense for everyone else. But yeah, there there is a difference. Yeah. There there are people, and I'm thinking of a couple examples now. I'll, I'll tell you exact an exact example that I still don't see eye to eye on with one of my best friends that fucked our relationship up mm-hmm. with business at the same time. So in yeah. 2017, as my business is growing and expanding with both companies, and I have a right hand person with the phone repair shop, you need a right-hand guy, whether it's a partner or manager or whatever it is. You can be the entrepreneur, they can be the technician, you can be the entrepreneur, they can be the manager. You need all three, really, E-Myth. Um, so for Phone Repair Philly, I had this guy, Alex. There, There's always going to be... Nobody's perfect. Mm-hmm. And so we worked on his issues, we worked on my issues, I'm not perfect, but we are growing together. So there's Phone Repair Philly, me and him, and we had other technicians, we had three locations, whatever. And then Momentum, uh, it was me and this guy, Chris. I bought out the equity for my partner because he was he was going through a quarter-life crisis, whatever. So I bought out his equity. This guy, Chris, was a jack of many talents, dude. He could do everything. And so we tried to get into Google 360 photography, like Google Street View, Google Street View photography in 2017, as I was really like building up. And so he was down in Miami like trying to get in photography. And I was like, yo... I'm trying to offer this new service line. Like you're you're doing stuff that you don't want to do down in Miami. Like you don't love it there. Move back closer to home. I bring him on the team. My best friend, one of my best friends, lived right down the street from him growing up for 18 years. Mm. Knew him in and out. Bring him up to become a photographer on us to build out this new division called Momentum 360, which is popping now, by the way. And bring him onto the team. He becomes Google Street View certified, gets his camera, gets all this equipment, start getting him job. I put my reputation oh, that's on That's how that happens. Yeah. I put I didn't m- even know that. Yeah. I put my reputation on the line. I'm like talking to so many people, expanding my network, hustling hard, doing all the sales stuff, bringing us business for it. Meanwhile, momentum side's getting busy too. I have phone repair kind of like cruise control right now, like doing okay. And so bring all bring my friend on. And my right-hand man, the guy running the day-to-day for Momentum, he's doing well. I bring on these two new guys as employees. We can't really afford that at the time, but I was like, we're going to get make the money. They didn't have enough background or skill set or anything, so we bring them on. My guy's training them instead of doing a lot of client work. Me and Austin are trying to shoot projects, build that side of the business. We go down to Miami for New Year's to shoot this project, but have a good time and party, too. I mean, you're in Miami. We're in Miami. And so while I'm down there, I'm like, yo, Chris, write him a Christmas card, have a good time, like, he's my right-hand man, whatever. Never heard from him again. Gone. Ghosted. I'm calling him days, texting, every email, everything. Never heard from him again. 
just ghosted. Win. That set my momentum back months and months and maybe years. See, that's a that is an extreme experience, but that's a I mean that makes you question everything. You so know, when people that, fuck you like that, that put me into a loop. This is why I was depressed in 2018. So this 2017 and 2018 New Year's. So 2018. Now I just hired these two new guys. I've got other people on my team. I've got phone and paraphernalia over here. And so I'm like, what am I going to do? So people are like, where's Chris at? My clients, my employees are like, where's Chris at? So I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Can't get a hold of him. I'm checking obituaries. I'm checking loony bins. I'm checking prisons. I'm checking his friends and family. Nobody's getting back. Did you ever find out? Found out six months later because I was Googling his name every other day. He got hired. He he got recruited as an esports professional to play NBA 2K in Detroit. <laughs> Didn't have the heart to tell me. He just bailed. Just bailed. I don't understand that. So I took I on all these risks and bad clients in 2018 to make up the money to pay everybody except me because we lost clients and money from him leaving. Sure. So I bring on a blockchain conference client that promised me the world you know ten thousand dollars a month plus revenue share all this other stuff entrepreneur tendency shiny ball yeah meanwhile i was part of a glor- that was the hot word too yeah i was Blockchain. part of a, a glory class like a, a goldman sachs 10 ksb program where only the best of the best get selected so it was basically a free mba for me so i'm in a full-time mba i'm running phone repair philly full-time with three locations I'm running Momentum Digital full-time with many clients and employees. And I'm running a blockchain conference as a chief marketing director. (laughs) And one guy walked out on you. And I'm sleeping two hours a night. And my friend, after a while, wasn't getting paid because I wasn't getting paid. Mm -hmm. I wasn't paying myself for at least six months now. Zero dollars from either company. He's like, I'm not getting paid. And I'm like, really, bro? You're not getting paid? I'm not getting paid. I was like, you're at least getting something. I haven't paid myself in six months, and you're here over here complaining about you. But that's not empathy. Right. It's not. Because I'm still worried about me, and we're both at fault here because he didn't have empathy either worrying about me. See, there, there's, a, there's yes, business and personal, 100%, you know? but there's, there's a self-awareness on that, even if it's after the fact from you. What's what I find that I can never wrap my head around is when there are people because and I like that you separated this. There's business and there's personal. Yeah. This is one where both happen at the same time. That's interesting. But yeah. like there are people who I've seen who obviously I won't name who are phenomenally empathetic in business and it makes them great. It does Amazing make them great to work yeah. with. And then their personal lives, not at all. Like psychopath syndrome, you know. It's and I true. don't that I don't understand. For you, it seems like you recognize that because you were this guy like 24-7, it was no matter where it was, it was like I can't get out of my head and not think like that for a second to see it from other people's way. And then it ends up costing you and you're like, okay, that's got to that's gotta change. You know how like what they say about empathy and reacting? When you're really busy and stressed out, you don't have time. Like, you just react. Right. I was so busy at that point in my life. Like, I think I'm busy now. I was so busy in making no money. Yeah. Imagine working 24 hours a day and making nothing. <laughs> well, 
I had that for a while. You started we're, out. We're, we're the only hustle. a little bit off. The now. hustle. Yeah. The hustle. And so that's what I was dealing with. After being in business for three years. And uh Yeah, so when you're stressed out, it's hard to be empathetic if you're not an empathetic person already. Like you're trying to be better, but you're reacting. You're reacting without thinking about consequences and people and feelings. And so that really hurt. That separated the business. The business went in two, so on and so forth. I literally mentally took off 2019 after that fucking bombshell of 2018. Just was on cruise control with whatever clients I had with Momentum, cruise control with Phone Repair Philly. Like, was trying to escape, was trying to find other partners, other founders. You were at least making money again, though, right? I was... Like, a little bit. Making a couple grand a month. Like Yeah, nothing crazy. Nothing crazy at all. I was coasting by based on SEO. It was the only reason I was coasting by. And a couple good people here and there on my teams. And so 2019 comes around just to finish out this whole thing. The end of 2019 comes around. I took trips. I tried to escape, come back to reality, like, whatever. With what money, too? That's the other question. I'm frugal, dude. I don't spend money. Like, I don't have a car. Like, I don't, like I just got this car from my yeah. brother. Like, I don't you spend money on anything. Yeah. I don't care about money. And I t- use money to travel. That's it. And so, yeah, the end of 2019 comes around. I just got back from a long-ass trip and was like, oh, things are still around. Like, cool. Like, let's see what we can do. And I was like, why isn't Phone Repair Philly making money? Like, we rang at the top of Google. We've got a decent team. Like, it's a profitable business. We're making no money. And so I start looking into the books. And then I get an audit from the IRS and from the state. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, fuck me. Now I really need to look into the books and to get this shit figured out. And so at the same time, within the past five years, I've had people rob me at gunpoint. I've had people break in. Yeah, people pe- rob you at gunpoint. Oh, yeah. I've had people stab employees. I've had employees steal from me. I've had customers steal from me. I've had, it, we're at a phone shop in Philly. Multiple locations. I remind you again, you were shocked we were going to talk for three hours tonight, but you just put five things on I your just, hand now we're not even going to get to. I just didn't think you'd want to. It's fucking nuts, man. Um, broken during the riots twice, like, you, you name it. Um, but anyways, I go through all the audits, the IRS, this, that, the other. I start listening to phone calls. I start taking shifts, start figuring out what the hell's going on, and I'm like, Oh, well, half my team is stealing from me because they take cash from the customer and use my stuff and don't check them out or use any technology, and the customer leaves. So I fire three people on the spot, realize... Because they're stealing. Because they're stealing. They're just taking the cash, buy, whatever. And my eye's off the prize because I'm running a whole other company. And so now I'm like, oh, I got to work the main shop, the busiest location. I was like, fine. Whatever momentum, I'll put that on pause, and then COVID happens. So and that when, all and comes when COVID, full when, circle. When COVID hit, I assume for about maybe three, four weeks right there, I'm just guessing, so correct me if I'm wrong, pretty much every marketing dollar gone. What do you mean by that marketing dollar? From the momentum company? Everything stopped. Yes, everything stopped. I had clients on cruise control where like I'll have a client, let's say he's spending $1,500 a month with us and I have a contractor managing it and I'm paying him $750 a month. I'm taking the difference minus whatever overhead we have. So I'm I'm But that didn't dry control. up? COVID dry, dried up our clients a lot. So we went from like... So you did lose some. Yeah. Oh yeah. We yeah. went from like 50, 
So I'll give you numbers right now. January 2020, momentum went from January, like 40K a month, like barely anything, to late February, like 10K a month. Before nothing. Before that's before anything hit. Yeah, we we're already struggling. What dead? So was that for different reasons? Because no one was. Ta- I, I always tell the story. I was in Grand Central Station on February twenty eighth, and usually I was in New York all the time. But I didn't. March thirteenth was beginning of quarantine. The next two weeks, I wasn't in there. I'm standing in Grand Central Station. That was the first day where the Dow was down like fifteen hundred. I mean, it'd yeah. be going down for a week, but it was like holy fuck. And I'm like looking, I'm looking down, I'm on the phone with a client, I'm looking down at the chart, I'm looking up at Grand Central, like the whole concourse. I'm looking down at the chart, I'm looking at Grand Central, and I'm like, we're going to be all right. This isn't that bad. And then it just hit. But like, that's that was even in New York. No one was really thinking about it. But you lost, you were losing the business in, I guess, like January and February. So that wasn't really correlated to the pandemic then. That was like kind of a separate thing. No, um... Momentum took a big hit. Momentum went from like it, it it worked out timely for me. Like I think I finally got a, a break because momentum was doing okay, maybe like 40k a month in January, where my one location in phone repair was doing it did fourteen thousand. It was my best location, did fourteen thousand in January, which traditionally had done a lot more. My best location. And so February comes around. I had just lost a client for an un- unknown reason in momentum, a good one. And uh, the phone repair shop, I was like, fuck, well, I got to work this now because I lost, I fired the, all these guys. Mm-hmm. So I kept whatever contractors, freelancers I had for momentum, lost like one or two clients. End of February comes around. We're trying to own, we're on cruise control. I'm running the shop. Taking This is back when I'm taking conference calls, this, that, the other, trying to do everything at once. Yep. And so I'm like, I'm getting so burnt out by this. Like, let, let's see what happens here. March comes around. We're in full force, like COVID. I have most of my clients with momentum drop off. Phone repair drops off hard for a little bit. I'm here anyways. My my right-hand guy, Jerry, who I promoted to a partner, loyal, stays working. Mm-hmm. My other guy in University City stays loyal, working. Not as much, though, a little weary. Um for momentum, I had a couple contractors. It's all remote online marketing stuff. So, like, they can do that anyways. And it didn't all dry up. It didn't all dry up. Just That's enough good. to pay the bills. Yeah. So, from January in this phone repair shop, I built out operations, systems, marketing, procedures, how to, everything that I should have done for the previous couple of years because I thought it's on autopilot. It's fine. Sure. I completely turned the business upside down while running that location and managing the other locations while managing all my contractors and freelancers all within one building for the phone repair shop just like when I started. Mm. So I went from 14 grand to 28 grand. I went from 28 grand to 38 grand. I went from 38 grand to 46 grand. I went from 46 grand to 52 grand in one location in four months. What months was that? January, February, February, March, March, April, so April, May. you through the pandemic with that? Because it was me there, and I had to fucking put it all on the line and just People work still my need ass. Their phone. I worked yeah. every day, 15 hours yeah. a day straight for four months. Paid off. To turn it all back around. That's something that went, that didn't go away. People were on their phone more than ever. They needed that more, and they were at home. So we'll end it with that, you know, because Apple closed, phone repair Philly was a, in essential business as they called it so i got lucky with that 
I got lucky with the people that stayed around me. Now I know not to get strayed and carried away with other businesses and opportunities and ideas until home is taken care of, until the home is taken care of. Right. right, right. You got to be safe in a comfortable place. And so um, that's what happened. My cup's dripping now. Yeah, mine, some I shout out. mine a little while ago too. I hope everybody learned something, and I'm glad we've uh, yeah. We've that's done this. A, that's a. I mean, this is how I think it is for anyone who finds success building shit. But that is a bumpy ass journey. You know, there's a lot, and there were a lot of times where you kind of had to go. All right, blow it up. All right, we were doing that. Nope, we're not anymore. And like that's what I think. Sometimes like people who are in the middle of doing that, even or like looking to go do something, they're like, well. I know I'm going to fail a lot because Gary Vee told me, fail, like a million times. But still, like, what if I fail like four times, five, like in a big way, like six times? Or what if I have to pivot? Like You should be thankful for it. Exactly. You should be thankful for it. It seems like you just kind of looked at all those and even if it was like depressing you for a minute, you you were able to get yourself out of it. And then it was like, okay, now I got to readjust. Here we go. Right. I mean, you got to fail to move forward. I mean, for most people, failure is a blessing. You just got to realize it soon and pivot soon. And so for everybody trying to start multiple business at the same time, don't do it. Stay focused. Focus is key. And have mentors. Learn from others. Watch YouTube videos. Contact me if you have any questions. And I appreciate you having me here. Oh, hell yeah, man. I was just going to say, I think that's a perfect spot to end it. You got me through a good one tonight. That was that, that was good. I needed someone with energy. So I got you. You brought the heat. You. But thanks for sharing everything about your own story. And also, some of that expertise was pretty golden. I'm going to go back myself and listen to that. Like some of the stuff you were talking about. like Facebook with the whole, ads yeah, and all that. Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And like how you've adapted this. Like you started working at Google, so you understood that. But you adapted yeah. this across all kinds of platforms. YouTube, baby. It's a gold mine. That I'm going to talk to you about some more off camera. Love I, that. I got a lot of things. But... Mac, thank you, brother. Thank you. We'll do it again sometime down the line. Love it. And everyone else, you know what it is. Give it a thought. Get back. Peace.